This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat an advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. The only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. We are in the double digits, baby. It's week 10. I'm your host, Tim Petrop. This is the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, and I am joined by none other than the man himself, the Dynasty Don, the rookie encyclopedia, the, the NFL encyclopedia, not even the rookie, rookie when it's time, uh, the head writer at Brodo. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, part of the Brodo fam. We haven't really announced that yet, but, you know, just a little preview. Part of the Brodo, part of the Brodo fam, here to stay, Mr. Matt Ward. What's good, bro? What's up, man? I'm so happy to be back. Had a little vacation, went to New Orleans, watched the Monday night game with the Saints and the Ravens. Um, I love the Big Easy. What a beautiful city. Yeah, man, it's good to have you back. It's good to have you back, Matt. Uh, we were we were talking to him, and uh, we needed you know behind the scenes. We get, you know we, we these these articles and these things, and these, they don't just appear, right? Uh, we put in the work to bring you the fantasy football by Brodo app. If you heard, uh, and Matt, even on vacation, is always uh, connected, always answering uh, questions and everything. And we asked him like, "Hey, when are you going to be back? Because this needs to be done." And he went like this: "Oh, oh what day is it again?" <laughs> that's how you know mr matt ward was having a good time in the big easy baby (laughs) how how was the game uh, you're a saints fan how was the game i mean a little disappointing yeah seeing a loss (laughs) and 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 obviously the offense not be able to really be successful but all in all man i mean watching a a talent like lamar jackson and and guys like demario davis on the defensive side of the football is, is something special any given day of the week so you know first game um see my favorite team in their hometown beautiful stadium uh great food everywhere as well so yeah i mean what what more could you ask for other than the win amen Amen, bro. And that's that's why we like Matt, too, because always with the positive spirits, man. It's, it's good to have you back, bro. We haven't talked in a bit. Um, Matt's been a little bit under the weather, and then he went to a place with the wonderful weather. And if you don't know, we're taping this during the Thursday Night Football game, as always. This Thursday Night Football game has not featured a lot of offense and has been flying. Uh, it is the second quarter with 949 left, and the Panthers have a 3-0 lead right now so that'll be playing in the background as we get into our categories for you today but before we get into our categories we want to remind you about the fantasy football by brodo app and the patrons at patreon.com slash brodo fantasy that make it all possible at the end of this show we are going to have patreon start sit questions 
that are in the Discord, that we love, the Brodo fam in the Discord, guess what? You can't get that unless you're a patron. And that is one of an insane amount of extras, including an extra episode that you get as a Brodo patron. And you help us, if you just want to help us out, uh, if you're listening and you've been listening for a while and you appreciate our advice, we would appreciate if you came and helped us out because it's the way we run the app. It's the way we're able to have writers. You know, it's, it's the way we're able to, um, you know, pursue more stuff to give you more stuff to to make you into the best fantasy player you can be and that's all because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash broto fantasy and uh speaking of the fantasy football by broto app uh, the we designed the fantasy football by broto app because we've spent six years analyzing fantasy football as a team and f- me personally i've spent more than that i was my college editor i had a fantasy football column um uh, in that and i graduated in 2011 i did that f- column for three years so i've been doing in-depth fantasy dives since 2008 i've been a fantasy player since 2000 i know what goes into spotting trends and prognosticating and playing the right person now am i always right no obviously not but you don't got to listen to me you can have all the stuff that i use on the app, we made it. We had to do so much work and open all these tabs and remember which website said this and pay for this subscription and pay for that subscription. We're like, no more of this. Free right now. You get everything you need to be your own expert. Go check it out. This is also a great off-season tool. In fact, this might be a better off-season tool than it is in-season tool, and it's a great in-season tool. But off-season, you can really explore it. You can really like get into the nitty-gritty and see things and see trends and make predictions and I. Look, if you've been listening to Brodo, we've been having a great year. I don't want to toot my own horn, but damn, we've been killing it. Great uh, year. Yeah, man, we've been having a f- phenomenal year. And, you know, if you're riding along with us, let's go. Let's I'll let's, let's keep you. riding, baby. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, for us, shooting our horn for us, bro. Like, this is, like, uh, I'll admit I did not have my best year last year because my, I had my kid in the summer and I couldn't get, I couldn't do as much as I, as I could. This year was not that was not the case. I prepared extra, and and all of us uh, put in the work. All of us put in the time. We're having a phenomenal year. And if you want to support that, if you want the tools that we use to have this phenomenal year, um, go get it. The fantasy football by Broto app. Broto app. It's free right now, and I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not always gonna be free. It, that's not oh, that's not always gonna happen. All right, this thing is too good to be free. It's free for certain reasons right now, but it's too good to be free. And once it's once we get it. To that point where it's not gonna be free anymore, it's not gonna be free anymore. So get it while it's free. Like I don't know what I, you know. I don't know what else to say. Get it while it's free. Um, so, with that being said, Matt, are you ready to get into uh, the categories and the news and everything that goes into this Thursday episode? Absolutely, man. Let Donnie H bring us in. Oh yes, it is not. Well, I can't say that, but I could say, let's go, Donnie H. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. Oh, the good old Donnie H. He reminds me of like my grandfather. Or like <laughs> or like uh like listening to I used to I used to listen to Mets games and Ralph Kiner used to be on the Sunday stream and he was just this That's old That's a great name drop. Bro, this old he was just he, legendary. He, yeah, man, he's like a, he he led the league in home runs a few years for the Pittsburgh uh, uh Pirates and he was the Mets broadcaster for a few years, but he got old too old, but he would always come on Sundays and he would just sit there and share stories about old baseball. And I used to sit there as a kid and just my legs folded sitting on the couch watching the Mets game and just listening to, to Kiner speak 
And I used to love that. I used to just love it. The whole, I just love it. I was enthralled. That's how I feel. The, Donny H gives me that he's feeling. Got a, he's got a voice that sounds like uh, he, he smells like peppermints and pipe tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a slight mayonnaise. A little mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so let's get into the first uh, piece of headline. I think you're going to talk about this guy a little later, Matt. But Rondell Moore practiced in full on Thursday. He's good to go. Uh, so that's good news on Rondell Moore. This one is not good news. Matt Stafford surprisingly popped up on the concussion protocol on Tuesday. And you could have probably predicted at that point that Matt Stafford wasn't going to play. He was not at practice today. It does not look good uh, for Matt Stafford. We're talking about John Wolford or Bryce Perkins. Uh, these are the guys taking reps right now. If you don't know who those guys are, that's okay. Uh, Matt, do you by any chance know like a little bit about these dudes that you can enlighten I, I mean, people on? <laughs> Wolford has been their backup last year as well, so he's probably the one that's going to get the start. That doesn't mean anything good, and that's really all you need to know. Okay, and so you know, it pick up the pick up the Arizona Cardinals defense is probably a good piece of advice. Yeah. There you uh, go. So look they, at the inverse for sure. They Leave have between the lines a little. They have no running game, and people are kind of blaming Matt Stafford a little bit for what's going on this year. Dude's playing through an injury, and now he has a concussion. And I think this is one of those, those situations where it's like, be careful what you wish for. If you thought the Rams couldn't move the ball before, wait till you have this running game plus uh, this quarterback. It's going to be, woo, woo. All right, um, Keenan Allen. Look. I've, I've been trying to warn you guys to stay away from plus 30 guys with soft tissue injuries. I've been trying to say it. If you haven't listened, come on, man. Come on. Uh, Keenan Allen hamstring did not practice on Thursday. He's day-to-day. I pulled my hamstring this Sunday. I ha- currently <laughs> currently having a hamstring injury. This shit sucks. The playoffs are in two weeks. I need to get this shit right. But I'm going to say what Keenan Allen said. You cannot... Come back from a hamstring injury half-assed, or you're going to hurt it again, period. You have to come back when you're fully 100%. And with a hamstring injury, you just never know. Everyone's different. Everyone has a different size tear, different location of the tear. It's it's all it's all different. Uh, so Keenan Allen is probably going to be, you know, he's going to be a guy on your fantasy team that's going to hold you hostage because you can't drop him. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to put him on like IR because the team's not putting him on IR. You're going to have to play the game where you, he's in and out and in and out and in and out of your IR spot. He's going to kill you, but it is what it is. What, what are your thoughts on Keenan, Matt? I mean, honestly, man, like the whole time that you're talking about this, my head kind of just started swirling of like, is this how his career's going to end? Oh, I hope not. You know, because he, that's what I mean. So it, that's kind of where my heart's at right now with Keenan is I, I hope he can come back, reco- like recover fully this year and obviously make a statement enough that the Chargers, you know, and, and everybody else in the NFL, should he not remain with that team, want to keep him around? Because we've seen it before. We've seen it before with a lot of receivers that age that this is kind of how Julio Jones, um, Will Fuller, like this is kind of how it ends. <laughs> I hope not, man. I hope not. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was limited on Thursday's practice. It seemed as though Zeke was going to come back, but like the the rumors and the trends and the vibes out of the Cowboys, uh, out of the Cowboys, is that he might. There's a chance that he does not play, which obviously catapults Tony Pollard into a pivotal role um, as probably a t- top end of right, wide of uh, running I mean, back one. Um, with that being legit. said. Yeah. 
yeah. RB2 or higher. Th that's his career ceiling so far. <laughs> RB1, 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 and RB2 in all four of his career starts. That is absolute <laughs> ridiculous insanity, bro. <laughs> yeah, like it's so crazy. That is nuts. Um, but wow. When you put it into that perspective, it really shows like how he's how good he's been. But it seems as though if Elliott does come back, it's going to be a split backfield like it has been, and it's probably going to be Zeke in the red zone. So with that being said, how are you ranking these guys this week if they both play? Because right now in my rankings, I have Pollard a few spots above where I have um, Zeke if he does play. How are you feeling about it? I actually have that the same. I mean, obviously downgrade to Pollard if Zeke does play, but not like I actually have them kind of back to back or, or maybe one spot between them. I don't have my rankings pulled up, but very close um, regardless. And yeah, I, I still think Pollard could outscore Zeke um, in a limited timeshare as he's done a couple times this season as well. So a downgrade to him. He's not in that RB1 threshold necessarily um, with Zeke healthy, but I'd still have him as a serviceable RB2 for sure. We're going to talk about this game a little bit uh, before, but this is a game of uh, two teams going in very different directions, and I think that that might um, come through uh, in this game because this is the this is the time of year. It's, it's, this is like these are the dog days. This is where the, the cream rises to the top. This is where it's separated. This is where the the pretenders and the contenders are separated. We're halfway through the season. Uh, everyone knows each other. Everyone knows each other's tendencies. There's tape on everybody. All right, now who's going to win? Who's going to make the plays? This is where it comes. And I think that when you have a team on the rise, uh, like the Cowboys, who are getting healthier, and then you have the team like the the like the like Packers, who just lost their arguably their best player on defense, Rashad Gary, and and a bunch of offensive guys, too. They just, they just cannot stop getting hurt. Uh, when you have these two teams going on different directions, I'm kind of giving away my whole thing for, for later. What a, I'm just I'm <laughs> freaking babbling. Michael will be so mad at me right now. All right. Um, Jonathan Taylor was a full participant in Thursday's practice. He gets to play for the guy who never coached a day in his freaking life. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, David Njoku did not practice on Thursday. Ah, oh, that's unfortunate news. Uh, that news dropped after after I checked. Oh, damn. Ah. Uh, Man, it seems rather unlikely because, man, yeah, he was in a great matchup. David Njoku probably he was play. He was doing very well this season for sure. Um, great matchup. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, Derrick Henry was not seen in the media portion of practice on Thursday. To me, that's not really something that we should worry about. Mm. Um, you know, Tannehill's in, maintenance. That's yeah. That's a that's your franchise player, and he's got a lot of wear. I don't think he needs to practice on a practice on a Thursday. Hey, Derrick, go and run over that guy. No problem. Let's practice that. Psych, I'm going to sit down. Practice? Talking about practice. Um, Raiders, two guys on IR. Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Speaking of hamstrings, Darren Waller, he's a guy that's been killing you because he hasn't been on the IR. But finally, they put him on the IR. Fantastic news for your team because at least now you know um, what and you can prepare. You know, Foster Moreau is a pretty good play this week in my opinion. And also Hunter Renfro. He got an oblique injury. He's going to be put on injury reserve. He's been absolutely dreadful uh this year so two less weapons for Derek Carr who's been very very good very very good when targeting Devontae Adams particularly last year and very very bad in every other situation um so yeah what are your thoughts on this uh on these IR stints uh biggest boost to I think Foster Moreau which you kind of already insinuated and a little bit of a boost to Matt Collins who was already taking over Hunter Renfro um but now loses the target 
completely that Renfro was um, maintaining. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty easy to shake it down. That's how we've kind of been seeing the trends of the targets and the opportunities being allocated in the first place. So just a little bit of boost to the guys that were already the backups and doing well in those roles. Matt Ryan practice on Thursday, uh, which is interesting because he hasn't practiced since he got benched. Um, it's possible that this is a, uh, people have been trying to catch on from what I said, you know, three weeks ago, how Sam Ellinger going into the game is them trying to get the number one pick without a doubt they're tanking. I think everything they've done since that moment is proof that they are trying to tank as who is that number 15 on the Panthers just took it up the, up the sideline to the house. Who is this? Who, who, they don't even have the, the graphic for him. They don't have a graphic for him. He must be like a. I don't know who 15 on the Panthers is. Do you know that? Do you know who that is? Is Black that Chenault? Shirt? It's LaVisca. LaVisca Chenault. Let's get it, LaVisca. He just broke a 50-yarder. Visca. Yeah, I man. didn't even know Visca play, was playing today. Well, there he is. Playing and scoring <laughs> touchdowns. That's, what, that's how I feel about LaVisca. So, uh, Matt Ryan is... May, I don't know. They're, they're definitely not going to go back to him, I don't think. You think there's a chance they go back to him? I think they have to. Why? I mean, so they can lose better. Yeah, exactly. They get they want to lose worse. Trust me, they they're trying to get that number one pick. They they know what they've now lived through the reality of three years of we were a spoiled brat organization who had the best quarterback in the league, arguably every single year from like 1997 to 2000 and like when did Andrew Luck 12. retire? 12? No, mm-hmm. way later than that. Later. I was on my honeymoon when he retired. 2000. 19. 17? 19. Oh, it's been more than three years. 2018. When the fuck did I get married? <laughs> 2000. I, no, I, I got married in August 2019. So I was on my honeymoon when he got when he retired. So the 2018 season. So from 1997 to 2018, they arguably had the best quarterback in the league every single year. Except for like one. Every single year. Even that year, Peyton Manning was on the team. And now they're now they've seen it. This is what happens when you don't have the franchise quarterback. We need to get the franchise quarterback. Hey, what do we do? Hey, let's tank in one of the best in, in the best quarterback class in since two years ago. <laughs> like a pretty good quarterback class according to everybody. Not for that long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean every, according to everybody, it's good I mean, guys. It's, it's two yeah, it's two guys and two elite guys. There you go. So it's four guys that are possible as you can possibly get if you get a top four pick. So why not go for it? I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Kyler Murray, hamstring. Oh, these damn hamstring injuries. Uh, was back at Cardinals practice on Thursday. Do you think there's any chance he doesn't play? No. He'll play. Josh Allen. This one's this one's interesting. Did not practice on Thursday. He's got a UCL sprain, which is it's just the joint that they do Tommy John with. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, the good news is that Case Keenum is the backup. So, uh, a competent backup who can play. I think that's good news for Stephon Diggs. I think I'm... I'm going to be talking about uh, Gabe Davis a little bit later in this episode, uh, so let me not let me not uh, blow it right now. Uh, but with that being said, Josh Allen not playing, we're going to talk about that as well. That would change some fantasy landscapes, I'll tell you that. Um, McCole Hardman did not practice on Thursday, which is unfortunate because he was starting to carve himself a little role in this offense. Um, yeah. Assuming he plays, he's, he's a pretty good flex option, I feel like. He has been. I mean, uh, as much as I've had fun driving over McCole Hardman back and forth with the bus <laughs> that I've thrown him under. Um, he's 
been more than serviceable and has put up, you know, back to back to back games of career highs in targets and has been doing well with his opportunities. Uh, in other news, Kyron Williams, uh, Jordan Rodriguez uh, believes of the athletic believes that that Kyron Williams could return week 10 against the Cardinals. Now, this is interesting because this backfield is more muddled than ever uh, because Daryl Henderson was back to the lead role last last week. The week before that, it was Ronnie Rivers while Daryl Henderson had a sickness. Cam Akers, who got benched three weeks ago, was away from the team. They couldn't trade him. He's back and practicing. And now add Kyron Williams into the mix. All this happening while Matt Stafford is missing the game because of the concussion protocol. This is a mess. It's a mess. Like how do how do we handle this? Yeah, I mean there's nobody in that backfield that I want to start regardless of who's healthy and who's under center at quarterback. <laughs> that's just I think it's Cooper Cup and you can get some upside out of Tyler Higby if they stop using him as a left tackle um, and other than that that offense scares me I, you know, I don't even feel good about starting Matthew Stafford when he's healthy it's very rare but you do see it every you know obviously especially with a player like Cooper Cup but it's crazy that Cup is consistently outscoring his quarterback in every single game that's wild um, Jahan Dotson back to practicing on Thursday he was officially listed as limited but Hamstring injury, he's a young man, so I'm not too worried about this coming back if he decides to play. Um, I am a little worried. I'm not going to act like I'm not, but I'm not as worried as a guy like Keenan Allen. Uh, would you would you run Jahan out there immediately against the Eagles of all people? No, probably not, to be honest. Um, if you've held on Jahan for this long, as far as it's been, considering you know he was kind of just a touchdown-dependent play at the start of the season, um, then you could probably withstand one more game without him. Yo, Marcus Mariota just threw one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see in your life. God, this guy keeps making the, this guy makes the same mistakes he made ten years ago. It's wild. Um, Brandon Cooks is back at practice. It says wrist. Yeah, right. Uh, wrist, wrist from from slapping the shit out of some people. Um, he's back. Is he worth a look this week against the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Cooks, you can flex any given week with his upside and target share in that offense. And yeah, it was definitely, he he literally didn't play because he was pissed off at the organization <laughs> for not trading him. Uh, Russell Gage did not practice on Wednesday, another hamstring injury. Uh, Mike Evans was limited in Wednesday's practice. We'll be talking a little bit about, about Mike Evans a little later. Uh, Alan Lazard was limited in Wednesday's practice. He looks like he's going to play. Ryan Tannehill limited in Wednesday's practice. Man, Malik Willis has been awful. Just awful. Malik Willis is just trash. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe he won't always be trash, but right now he is trash. Um, and that's it. Uh, well, one more. Debo Samuel, uh, we don't have the Thursday practice report in front of us, but he practiced on Wednesday, so he looks like he's coming back and, and Debo is going to be part of your lineup again. Always a good thing when Debo's part of your lineup. All right, Matt, let's start hot. Let's start at the top. It's the tier up. You can go first, my brother, man. Uh, who is your first tier up of this week 10? Oh, we were talking about him a little bit earlier. I got Rondale Moore. Uh, Cardinals are at the Rams. I mean, man, I've always I've always loved Rondale, but it really looks like it's starting to happen with him. And yeah, there's been an infinite amount of questions surrounding that Cardinals offense, especially the receiving core throughout this season. I mean, leading all the way back to the preseason isn't as bad as the offense and the team have been as a whole. Those questions have all kind of been answered with resounding production from every member like we had all of the target share questions with Marquise Brown leaving the Ravens and he was 
playing phenomenal and then Hopkins returning from suspension in his old age and back-to-back 100-yard receiving games before kind of falling flat last week. Um, and the kind of overlooked thing in all of that is since Rondell's returned, he's just been a consistent you know, role in the inside of the slot, or I mean, they played him on the outside a little bit and that didn't work, but has gotten his role inside of the slot consistently now. And he's quietly increasing his production and consistency ever since his return from injury when he came back in week three. Uh, He's had eight or more targets in four of his last five games. He led the team with 10 targets in week nine, which doubled Nuke's total. Um, And, you know, Nuke was kind of surprisingly kept quiet by the Seahawks defense, but Rondale caught eight passes for 69 nice yards, and he led the team in all receiving categories, including routes run. If he would have found the end zone against the Seahawks, I think we would have been talking about Rondale a lot differently. I mean, I I do kind of view it differently because the Rams are averaging 29.8 points per game to the wide receiver position. They rank eighth overall in our true matchup rankings because they allow 12.3% over uh, the expected average to the position in um, our points over average ranking. And Morris averaging 11.7 points per game in 2022. He's got a 20.5% target share and a 95.9% route participation. And all three of those metrics have been consistently trending over the last five games. So Rondell's consistently, and his points per game is wide receiver 35 right now. He's ranked always in the wide receiver three territory. But I think, especially against the Rams, who have been struggling in the secondary with Nuke's going to get double teamed. Um, and they struggle out of the slot, um, especially because they've had so many Nichols rotate in and out of that hurt and injured secondary. Um, I really think Rondale is looking for a big blow up game. I mean, like high end wide receiver two. I have him ranked with wide receiver 17. Um, so a little more mid range, but again, that touchdown upside, I think he's, it's a good game for him to kind of write those um, negative variances towards the scoring category where all of the opportunities have been there. And even his red zone looks, he's had four red zone looks in the last three games. So they're trying to get him the ball and trying to get him in the end zone. And I think, think it's just been variance um so with an eight target ceiling uh which he's had over the last five um and right around 60 yards and a touchdown i really like rondell Moore against the rams and i'm tear up from wide receiver through or wide receiver three into uh wide receiver two territory hmm i have a decision to make i have a three-way i have to start two: alan lazard cream hunt rondell Moore. I'm, i would start rondell yeah you start rondell and lazard or rondell and hunt rondell and lazard yeah me too Right now, so yep. I have this. I have this tactic that I that I do in in my leagues. I don't. I don't really care about the projections. I can't say I don't care about them at all because they're there. Um, it's like Vegas lines. You know, they're there, but you say you don't you say you don't care about them, but they're there. Right. Right. Um, and so I always like to put my my most scary lineup in so I could have the highest projection possible. Um, but I'm planning on playing uh, Dolchich over Everett and more over. Hunt, and we're going to be talking about Dolchich. That takes me into my first uh, tier up, which is not Dolchich, although that would have been a crazy, a crazy thing. Yeah, way, nice segue. Yeah, right, that would have been a crazy segue. My first breaker up is Devontae Smith. Man, look, the Eagles are basically coming off a bye right now because they played on Thursday and now they're playing on Monday. So think about that. That's three, four extra days to prepare uh, for this team. And they are playing an in-division opponent that they usually manhandle. Uh, so it's the so they're playing the commanders, by the way, if you don't know. So I think that Devontae Smith is just kind of due in this game. I know that's not the most analysis in the world, but I think he's due. 
And uh, the reason why I think it could be his day is because he's got great individual matchups as well. As you've got Kyle Fuller on the outside, who's not the greatest corner in the world, but is a serviceable corner. He's probably going to be shadowing A.J. Brown. You have the matchups against Danny Johnson in the slot. PFF gave him gave that rating a perfect 100 advantage uh, to uh, Mr. Devontae Smith and Ben St. Juice on the outside, which they gave a 96% advantage to. So he is he is there, and the commanders have given up points. Uh, Matt already talked about defensive points over average. That is the metric you use. It is on the website. Very quickly, very simply, it is points over average of the players that they've actually played rather than just overall points. So, for example, if you give up 15 points to Travis Kelsey and he averages 15 points, then you give up zero points over the average. If you give up 15 points to Tyler Higby and he averages eight points, you give up seven points over the average so then that is going to be a percentage over even though yahoo says they're the same these are not the same matt what is it, these these faces that you're making Dude, I, I because i literally i won't name the player that i'm breaking down but i had like the exact same explanation for our points over average written into my notes for tonight oh, <laughs> like with travis kelsey saying 15 points and everything Yo, like, this, guy, just, this is why we're this wild. is why this is why we're brodo, <laughs> this is why we're brodo fan matt this is just like this is why we're brodo fan matt all right, so um, and like I was saying, after all that, the reason I'm saying that is because they are the third best matchup for anyone. The Commanders they're giving up 30.4 per four points per game to the wide receiver. That is 29% over the average of the players that they face. So it's a great matchup for Devonte Smith. He's been down a little bit. If you're a Devonte Smith manager, you have been disappointed with his output. But I think this is one of the weeks where he shines. I think he's going to have a couple of big plays in this game uh, in his good individual matchups. I think Jalen Hurts hits him. This is going to be one of those games where I think the Eagles are going to have their way with the Commanders and. I think Devontae Smith is going to make you happy and, and jump up into a wide receiver one territory this week. I agree. Boom. Hard-hitting defense. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And so, Matt, who is your second one? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Christian Kirk, the Jaguars at the Chiefs. I like it. Man, I, I mean, he's still ranked in that low-end wide receiver one territory. But I, when I'm talking tier up, like I'm I'm putting Christian Kirk in pretty high in my rankings. Um. Top six. Uh, Christian Kirk led the Jaguars with nine targets. He has 29.0% uh, target share in week nine. He caught eight for 76 yards and a touchdown. He leads the Jaguars offense in all receiving categories this season. He's been quietly consistent, effective, efficient, productive, and he has a massively increased opportunity share, which we usually don't see from wide receivers this late in their career, especially maintaining the efficiency that they had with a lower target share the previous season. Kirk upped his target share from 18.1% in 2021, and it's now sitting at 23.7% in 2022. Um, and he's maintained efficiency of metrics across the board, like the same ones that obviously got him paid in the first place. Uh, he's currently wide receiver eight in true target value, uh, but he sits at wide receiver 19 in points per game and wide receiver 11 overall. He's just outside the top 12 options in ECR this week. But again, I, I ranked 14th on Fantasy Pros. I think he's legit top eight top six wide receiver he flashed a bit of this positive regression that we usually see with guys that have really high true target values and by the way kirk's never fallen outside of the top 15 in true target value at any point this season so throughout you know the season one of those metrics that we use with true target value is it kind of tells you how many fantasy points they should be getting on average per target um and we've seen some of that positive regression come back with those last two performances uh I, again i think he's on the precipice of a precipice of a 
wide receiver one week winning upside. He ranks seventh overall in red zone targets right now, um, which is 11th in the league. And that's obviously helped his eighth ranked touchdown total of five touchdowns. Um, and he draws a really good defensive matchup against the Chiefs, 249 and a half passing yards per game. They rank 24th, uh, 23.6 points per game, which is 20th in our true matchup rankings. And that all shanks down to them. You know, obviously, this is going to be a bit of a shootout. We'll get into that a little later with our um, matchup of the week. But it's positive game script for Christian Kirk in an exploitable matchup against a defense that has struggled against the slot and struggled against uh, the main target earner specifically um, on the opposing side of the ball. So I think it's a smash play. I like it, too. And I, I, I agree. I'm with you on that one, man. Um Let's move on to my second one then because I have a little bit of a curveball here. I know we usually talk about individuals and we're not really talking about defenses a lot, but I have a defense for you. I think there's a defense Whoa. that could go tear breaker and uh, be one of the top defenses after being one of the bottom defenses. I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Why am I going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders? Because Jeff Saturday, ESPN analyst, is their head coach out of nowhere. Out of absolutely nowhere. You you watch the, the press conference for that? Dude. First of all, look, I don't want to speak ill of anyone. I don't want to be foul or anything like that. So with all due respect, I'm about to say something disrespectful. Jim Mercer lost his fucking marbles. Like, that guy is insane. Like, if you watch if you watch um, the in-season Colts hard knocks last year, every time Jim Ursay spoke to the team, he spoke in mumble gibberish that no one understood. And everyone just had to be like, okay, rich man, that pays my checks. We love you. It was it was like awkward. And now he's doing things that make no sense whatsoever. You got Jeff Saturday as your head coach. Frank Reich was, say what you want about him, he was a player's coach. The players loved him. They, they bought in. Um, and now you have a like I said, Jeff Saturday, and let's talk about the interim offensive coordinator. If you don't know who that is, uh, his name is Mr. Parks Frazier. Pretty good name, not gonna lie. Very exotic. Like, like a, Parks is like a very exotic white guy name, like like a super exotic white guy name. Um, and so you have, he's only been in in football, coaching in football. He's only thirty years old, by the way. That's three years longer younger than me. That's younger than you too, Matt. Right? Yep. Yeah. So. Younger than us. Um, he's only been in the NFL for since 2018. And can I tell you what his position was? Um, assistant head coach so to the Indianapolis coach from 2018 to 2019. Uh, not quite, Dwight. Um, assistant to the head coach, which means he's the guy that prepared the film and got the coffee and, and unlocked the doors. And he was the assistant. He was the assistant. Then this week, I mean, this uh, the last two years, Assistant quarterbacks coach. So not even the quarterbacks coach. The assistant quarterback coach. The assistant quarterback coach, 30 years old, who's only been in the NFL since 2018, is now going to call passes for Sam Ellinger. Um, Count me out. I want some Las Vegas Raiders defense. Um, he has a rookie quarterback, like I said, with almost no success. Uh, you could say zero success in the NFL so far. Um, no success. Also, it's it's not a good matchup for the offensive line. According to PFF, Indianapolis is allowing the fourth highest pressure rate in the league, and the Raiders are tied for the fourth highest pressure rate in the league. Uh, that is not a good combination. That is weakness versus strength, where you're going to kill a young rookie. That He got sacked nine times last week. Uh, the Colts do not have the weapons to take advantage of the fact that the weakness of this defense is through the passing game. 
the Raiders have been weak through the passing game. They've been actually a very good run uh, defense. Max Crosby's been having a great year. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, they don't have the weapons to take advantage. They don't. Like, yeah, you can have a bad passing defense, but when you have Sam Ellinger getting three seconds in the pocket, throwing to Michael Pittman, who's not a separation guy, and, you know, Paris Campbell, it's going to be bad. Um, so, I think there's going to be sacks. I think there's going to be turnovers. And you might see a defensive TD or two. Like, I, I really think that this is one of those th- times where the Raiders could put up 20 points. Now, it could be bugging, and maybe Jeff Saturday rallies the troops and uses all the things he learned from, you know, Mike Greenberg and uh, Dan Orlovsky, and he puts them to good use, and they come back and win in this game. But uh, I'm going to bet against it, and I'm going to say I want the Las Vegas Raiders defense, and I'm going pe- to be putting money. I'm going to be putting money on the Eagles to cover whatever spread that it is. I don't know what it is. And the Las Vegas Raiders to cover whatever spread that it is. That's going to that's be my parlay this week. And I, I expect to win money. All right. I kind of can't argue with those. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into our tier breaker down now, although that seemed like a inverse tier breaker down. Uh, Matt, who's your first tier breaker down? This is a guy, by the way, who... Your usual tier is like wide receiver two, uh, running back two, and you go down a tier to running back three, or you can even go down a couple tiers, or you know, it's it's a guy who's gonna fall back about twelve spots. My uh, Matt, who you got? Yeah, it's it's a wide receiver one and a wide receiver one that I usually love, and, and I mean I do still love to the bottom of my heart, but it's CD Lamb. Uh, my, you know, my first ever article for Brodo was a dynasty profile on Lamb's upside once he was finally handed the keys of the offense, which we saw happen this season but i'd be lying if i said i was not growing impatient of waiting for lamb to show that true wide receiver one upside as as harsh as it sounds man he's really done nothing nothing to lift himself above his positional peers players like Diggs, cups chase jefferson brown hill waddle like all of those players have shown the ability to finish as the wide receiver one overall on any given week and lamb has finished as the wide receiver one overall once in his career which happened in week six of 2022 or 2021 rather uh, against the Patriots. Um, He has just three top 12 positional finishes this season, and he's currently averaging as many points per game, exactly as many points per game as rookie wide receiver, Chris Olave saints, rookie wide receiver Olave uh, 14.6 PPR points per contest. That's tied for wide receiver 16. So like, let that sink in for a second, a third year wide out, with a 31.6% target share, which is wide receiver two overall in an offense led by Dak Prescott is not even outplaying a first year wideout on an Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston led offense with a first year head coach. So the Cowboys face off against the Packers in week 10, as you alluded to earlier, who obviously like we can admit that they're an absolute dumpster fire since Aaron Rodgers um, spirit animal stole his football talents and hid them in the shadow realm with fractal lizards and whatnot. But as bad as that offense has been and as bad as that team has been every single game, their defense is doing really well against wideouts. Um, obviously, their secondary is probably the best part of that entire roster. Um, they've got good defensive backs. They've got good safeties. And they can keep teams from passing the ball. They can keep quarterbacks from scoring. They can keep wide receivers from scoring fantasy points. Um, they allow 22.4 points per game to opposing wideouts, which is minus 18.7% below points over average to the position. That ranks 30th in uh, Brodo's true matchup rankings as one of the toughest defenses to secure points against for wide receivers. And uh, just 176 passing yards per game. That's second overall against opposing passers, but they're noticeably weaker against the run. Uh, 138.6 rushing yards per contest. So the Cowboys key to victory here is really in a negative game script for Lamb against an already difficult matchup where they're going to run the clock and control the 
run the ball and control the clock. Um, so I'm downgrading Lamb outside of wide receiver one territory. He's got a wide receiver 10 ECR. I think he's more like wide receiver 16 uh, this week, which is exactly where his points per game have been all season. Uh, midway and mid-range wide receiver two with kind of minimal upside and a bad game script, a bad matchup against a good defense. And probably not many points on the board either way. And, and if they are coming, I think it's from, you know, Tony Pollard uh, having a big game. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're breaking my heart, Matt. To be honest, uh, uh, I got offered. Did you see the Did you see the trade that went down in the Men in Black League with Johnny? No. And, oh, the AJ Brown trade. Yes. AJ Brown. Yes. I got that exact offer for CD Lamb. Would you have accepted? Yeah, that? I would have thrown. Nope. Now you wouldn't have accepted that from Johnny. Nope. All right. It makes it makes me happy that I didn't. Accept it. <laughs> did you say? I don't are are I'm saying? not trying to be mean to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, subtle shots. <laughs> uh, it was a. I, I think it's good value because we're doing a. In that league, we do max points four for um, rookie first overall. Clay wants Bijan. Uh, Bijan and picks is a little more valuable than AJ straight across when you're already losing games and not really, you know, overcoming much value by holding on to him. So well, he got a yeah. 20. I mean, it, it works both sides, but I think I do think that there was a, a bit of a discount for somebody that's already in first place and getting a top three dynasty wideout to only have to give up a single first in a couple seconds. Okay. Oh God. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't accept that. Um, all right. My first tier breaker down is Gabe Davis. I'm sorry for doing this twice in a row. All right, but I nailed it last week, so I'm riding the train, baby. Uh, no, but for real, the reason why is because not even really because of Gabe Davis. I think it's because of the quarterback situation right now. Uh, Josh uh, Allen has a sore elbow, so what you might see is them lean on the run a little bit more this this week. Now, Buffalo leaning on the run is still probably throwing the ball 70% of the time, uh, but I think Josh Allen will be a little more weary of letting a, un uncorking a big one. And the Vikings are not as good of a matchup as you might think for Gabe Davis. Now, if you're looking on the Yahoo app or on the Sleeper app or wherever you go, I don't have any ESPN league, but I'm sure it's like this in the ESPN league. It's got the number six next to it, and it's green. And you're like, oh, yes, this is when I play Gabe Davis. This is when he can go off against a team like Minnesota, and this is the time to do it. Number one, this is why we invented defensive points over average because they're actually middle of the pack, 14th in the league in points over average. They're only giving a 5.5% over average to players. Uh, so that's basically even. So they're basically giving up their points per game to wide receivers. And that's not a great situation for Gabe Davis. And I think the, the, the odds of him catching a super long pass in this game are low, especially if Case Keenum, who, if he plays, he's got history against the Vikings and he's got history with Stefan Diggs. Like he threw to Stefan Diggs for two, two for two years, so these guys have mm -hmm. chemistry with each other. Uh, so I'm I'm not fading Diggs in any way if Allen doesn't play, but I'm fading the shit out of Gabe Davis if Allen doesn't if Allen doesn't play, and even if Allen does play, with the injury and considering the role that Gabe Davis plays, I'm not taking a chance uh, on him this week. Uh, I look, it, it, can you play him in a pinch? I don't think he's going to have a terrible game. This is why he's not in my bench segment. He's in my tear breaker down segment. Uh, last week he was in my bench segment. Uh, but I think that this is a harder matchup than you think. This is a harder matchup than it is on paper. And Gabe Davis is in a situation where the quarterback is uncertain. And when you have an uncertain quarterback, you have an uncertain wide receiver. Uh, with that being said, 
What do you think about that, Matt? Are you are you, are you fading Matt? Are you fading Gabe or are you you? Absolutely. I mean, big yeah. big play upside is is really his game in the first place. Uh, that big play upside is probably going to be pretty minimal if Josh Allen does play with a UCL sprain, where he's not going to be able to huck it deep. And if he doesn't play, it's it's Case Keenum is there as the backup because of his rapport with Stephon Diggs. All right, let's get it on. Oh, I just realized something that I need a new streamer of the week because my streamer of the week is currently playing whoopsie a little bit behind the scenes there all right let's get into your second tier breaker down matt we can stay in the same matchup and just go across the sideline to be honest um dalvin cook dalvin cook against the bills is my tier breaker down he's been huh, interesting He's been serviceable, but he's been kind of disappointing considering his top five positional ranking on pre-draft big boards. He's averaging 15.7 PPR points per game, which is barely in the RB1 category. It's RB12 overall, and he has just two finishes inside um, as a top 12 running back this season. He's got pretty disappointing efficiency across the board, but it's been masked by his recent touchdown production. He's got four in the last or five in the last four contests. Rather, he's averaging just 0.52 points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, which on our app ranks as RB 32 overall this season His lower than usual ceiling has been an unfortunate causality of his drop off as a pass catcher. He's just uh, got a 10.0% target share this season, which is a huge drop off from his career total. That's ranked RB 20. He's caught 19 passes for 119 yards ranks 32nd in yards per route at 0.72 and 27th in yards per reception at 6.3. And now the Vikings have to travel to the frosty fields of Buffalo. They face a Bill squad that could be without Josh Allen, like we said, sure. But that's going to force more of a neutral game script. Um, defensive matchup is a justifiable reason alone to drop Cook off down a tier. The Bills rank 18th in true matchup ranking, which is a little below average, minus 0.9%. So it's not like the worst matchup that you could imagine. But considering the game script, considering Cook's kind of touchdown production, uh, low efficiency, but volume role being what's boosting him. I certainly don't have him in that RB1 category, which is where his ECR and his projected points total is on every platform. I've got him in the tier below, right around RB14. Um, I'm not overly confident in that Vikings offense putting up a bunch of points. It's not like Josh Allen's going to control the defense, and the Bills' defense is still one of the best in the league, and they're getting healthier and have held teams back in every position and top guys back and, and some of the best running backs in the league to the lowest amount of their point-per-game totals this season. So where Cook's been kind of relying on two touchdowns a game, one touchdown, one touchdown, one touchdown, and very minimal yardage total uh, to even be a relevant option, if he doesn't cross that goal line in week 10 he's a middling rb2 at best mm. yeah it's dalvin cook's definitely been a disappointment there's no way around it and he, he's had some good games but you when you draft him in the first round like you're pack you're you're missing out on guys like stefan diggs and justin jefferson and the opportunity cost you have to be really disappointed in what you're getting um i'm gonna go into the next one and that's mike evans speaking of opportunity cost I, i've heard mike evans as kind of like people are kind of like yeah, he's this is bounce back week, bounce back week. I just don't see it happening against a very, very good Seattle defense that's been getting better and better and better as the year goes on. Uh, they have a great young quarterback duo, cornerback duo right now, and you know his quarterback is Tom Brady, and unfortunately, Tom Brady hasn't thrown more than one touchdown in a game in the past five weeks, and because of that, Mike Evans has not caught a touchdown uh, since week five. And if you look at Chris, if you look at Mike Evans' weekly output from the year, 
He's only been a wide receiver one twice. Now he's been a wide receiver 13 one of those weeks, so it's a little little bit cheating. Um, But he's only been a wide receiver one twice officially, and this week he's going to Germany facing a hungry Seattle Seahawks team. Um, And the Bucs have shown nothing. Like, they had one good drive last week, but they've shown nothing to tell us that this is the time that their offense is going to wake up. I don't know. I've, I've been seeing a lot of fantasy people, like, I get the prognostication for Chris Godwin. Like, I think Chris Godwin is in a good spot because he has no touchdowns. So that's going to that's gonna change, and he's getting targeted like an absolute wild animal. I think he's like, if you take the games he's played, he's on pace for like 170 targets or something like that. Like, he's, he's getting paced like an, he's getting targeted like crazy. So I get the Godwin stuff, but that's just because of the targets. There's like, Tom Brady is 30th. Right now, in true throw value, Mike Evans is the is the wide receiver twelve on the season, but he's thirtieth in true target value. So he is wildly outplaying his target value, and he's hobbled. Uh, he didn't. He was limited in practice. He not only has a rib issue, he also has an ankle issue. It's uh, it's a terrible combination right now. So if you're looking at me, I, you have an inefficient quarterback, you have an inefficient offense, you you're hobbled. And you have a wide receiver across from you that's getting more targets. I'm just like, I'm not out on Mike Evans in any way, but I just don't think that you can be banking on this return to glory game that people have been prognosticating because, you know, the the Bucks went on a good drive in, in the final minute and a half of the game last week. So I, I think that, yeah, I think that hold your horses, with Mr. Mike Evans here. I think that he's in the tear breaker down and he's going to have way more of a wide receiver three, two output than he will a wide receiver one, in my opinion. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't love overseas games. I don't love targeting overseas games, especially with two capable defenses on either side of the ball. Um, I mean, which is funny because they never really put like offensive shootouts over there. But yeah, I mean, all of those things that you said, I think kind of line up for a bad game for mostly everybody in that offense. All right, let's get into our matchup of the week. You went, with your, you went twice, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's get into our matchup yeah, yeah, yeah. of the week. Um, my first matchup, I'm, I'm going to go first on this one because I haven't gone first yet. It is the Cowboys and the Packers. I uh, I tease it a little bit. It's a classic NFC. Like, I'm a sucker for, like, these guys go back and they're dominant forces. And to be honest, man, I think this might be the swan song for the Packers. I think that this also might be a, a good spot for the Cowboys to kind of show where they're at because the Cowboys are coming off a bye week. So knowing they're coming off a bye week, having two weeks to prepare for the Packers, the Packers have been losing guys, dropping guys like flies. I already mentioned it earlier. I think this could be an ascension game for the Cowboys and a little bit of a descension game uh, for the for the Packers. Now, one of the reasons why I want to watch it, though, is because I think the Packers are becoming the best thing in fantasy. It is the funnel offense, the guys that you can really count on to have the fantasy work and the targets in this offense. And I think it's Alan Lazard, it's Aaron Jones, and everyone else you can forget. I think Robert Tanyan is probably yep. a, a good streaming option every once in a while, but it's Alan Lazard, it's Aaron Jones. And uh, that makes for good fantasy because Alan Lazard's been fantastic because he's been getting hyper-targeted. He had uh, over eight targets for the first time last week, Alan Lazard. So he's on the up and up. And now Romeo Dobbs is out. Uh, Christian Watson is in the concussion protocol for the second time this year. Uh, Randall Cobb is still out. Like these, it's 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 only Lazard. 
at this point. So uh, he's going to get as many opportunities as humanly possible. You know, Aaron Rodgers, you don't have to necessarily be open by a lot. And Alan Lazard has been making some incredible 50-50 catches this year. So he trusts uh, he trusts him. Uh, I want to see how the, the backfield ha- goes out with Tony Pollard. Dak coming back now, his third week back from injury. Uh, after the bye week, having the bye week to prepare, I want to see how Dak uh, plays in this game. I want to see C.D. Lamb. I want to see, hey, can he uh, can he perform uh, in, in times like this? Dalton Schultz, does he get more involved in the offense after this game? Michael Gallup, is he more uh, involved in the offense after the bye week? There's a lot of things going on around the Cowboys that uh, is going to be interesting to see in the second half because of when their bye week was uh, positioned. So I just think this game overall has got some good old school vibes to it. It's got some good fantasy vibes to it. I'm looking forward to it. Matt, what's your matchup of the week? I mean, I mentioned a few of these guys, and I'm going to get into probably a few more of these guys as we go on through this episode. But it's the Jaguars and the Chiefs. The Jaguars allow 355.2 scrimmage yards per game and 19.8 points per game, whereas the Chiefs give up 372.6 scrimmage yards and 23.6 points per game. That spells shootout to me. Uh, there's no question. And I mean, it does have the highest over-under <laughs> of the week. So I kind of stole uh, Mike's gimmick there. But there's no question that Patrick Mahomes could shatter the Jaguars' defense's averages because the Jaguars do have a little bit of a better defense than the Chiefs on paper do. Um, but the Chiefs' mediocre secondary also opens up an avenue in which Trevor Lawrence can play keep up with a high-end fantasy production and an increased passing volume, which obviously means good things for the pass catchers on that offense, as I mentioned with Christian Kirk earlier. Um, yeah, shootout written all over it. I mean, Travis Etienne has been dominant. Trevor Lawrence is kind of finding his bearings again after he started out hot and then hit a midseason sophomore slump. Christian Kirk's in a great matchup, as I mentioned before. Evan Ingram has streaming appeal against a team that allows 11.8 points per game to the tight end position, which is 38.9% over the expected average, seventh overall in true matchup ranking. On the flip side of the ball, you got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelce. Speaking of funnel offenses uh, against a struggling secondary, but a pretty good linebacking core and a really good, you know, front unit that can keep running backs under wraps and, um, you know, keep pressure on the quarterback. So uh, bad news for Clyde Edwards Hilaire in company, but obviously, like we said, McCole Hardman has been a viable streaming and flex option while posting back-to-back games, a career high in targets. And if he plays, I think he certainly has some appeal. MVS is always a threat to pop off for hundred yards on three catches and a touchdown. Kadarius, Tony, another shot at relevance in his second game with the team, a little bit more comfortable. Um, and then last but not least, obviously our, one of our favorite guys at Brodo, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's had three consecutive weeks as a top 12 wide receiver while leading the chiefs wide receiver team in targets behind Kelsey as the true number two in the passing offense. So I think all of those things just line up for a great matchup. All of these guys have fantasy relevance. Um, and yeah, I, I think it can certainly meet its over-under total in Vegas at 50 and a half, and we can see good production from both sides of the, both sides of the ball. <laughs> um, you say both sides of the field? You stop. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say uh, field, but... All right, let's, uh, let's get into our next one. Whoopsh! The Grand Slam smashes of the week. That did, that did not sound like a bat. That sounded like a like a old school kung fu film. Yeah, I'm not very good at that, but I'm good at at, re- at rewind. Listen, no, we need the we need the. Uh, what's that movie? We need the Police Academy guy. Yeah, nah, I, I'm not as good as him. You're now you're setting the bar too high, but I'm pretty good at it. Ready? ready? <laughs> Let's get into our first Grand Slam Smash of the Week. I'm going to go first. It's Josh Jacobs. 
from the uh, versus the Indianapolis Colts. Listen, I already explained that this game could get ugly very, 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 very quickly. And this is a defense that some of the players on the team have already expressed like, oh, what the hell is going on here? Because this is a defense that has played well this season for the most part, but they are terrible against the running back. They're giving up 20% over average, and this game could get ugly quickly, which means a lot of handoffs for Mr. Josh Jacobs. So I am personally um, thinking that, first first of all, I owe you an apology, Josh Jacobs. I thought Josh Jacobs would be terrible this year. He has not. So uh, good good on you, Mr. Josh. Keep it going. Keep, keep proving me wrong. I think this is a great matchup for him in a game that could get ugly. So, and then you look, I'm putting a lot of faith in the Raiders that they're going to beat uh, this very, very lowly team right now. But the Raiders are literally capable of anything. So you never know. Uh, but with that, <laughs> with that being yeah. said, I think Josh Jacobs smashes this week. Matt, who's your first smash? Well, since I've been on hiatus for a few episodes, um, you can't have a Brodo Fantasy podcast in my first week back without a little bit of positive Travis Etienne propaganda. Am I right? Very, very so, true. <laughs> here we go. Man. I was holding up. It's I was tr- holding up the uh, – the ETN propaganda flag while you were gone. I was he was my stock. I up know. I, I, I did and my it. Uh, my grand slam as well last week. I uh, yeah. I mean, man, this this kid is a bona fide fantasy superstar. He surpassed a hundred scrimmage yards for the fifth consecutive contest in week nine, and it shows legitimately no signs of slowing down as that production also came with career highs in snaps and rushing opportunities. He had an 81% snap share. That was 56 snaps, 90.3% rushing share, which is a career high of 28 rushes. And here's the interesting thing about Travis Etienne's high end RB one production over the last little bit is it's coming without the thing that made him the star prospect and first round draft pick that he was. And that's his receiving production. He had just a six and a half percent target share last week. Well, okay. Two targets. Um, obviously not much, but 126 scrimmage yards, which was 109 rushing 17 receiving on 30 touches, two touchdowns. And as we've mentioned a few times in this episode, I'm loving both sides of the sidelines in this Jaguar chief matchup. I have ETN ranked as the number two scoring skill player in that matchup, just slightly behind Travis Kelsey above 18 points per game or 18 points. Uh, he's averaging 19 PPR points per game over his last five contests and 23 and a half over his last three contests because that's been ramping up his efficiency. They've been ramping up his production, ramping up his opportunity share. And he's even like, he's not even really released his full arsenal of weapons he's not reached his fantasy ceiling yet so to speak his target share is pretty low they haven't really been utilizing him as a pass catcher as travis or trevor trevor lawrence he's been airing it out a little more frequently over the last few games as i said he's kind of finding that groove again as a more comfortable passer which leaves a little fewer check down targets for etn but a pass friendly game script against the chiefs could boost that production up again uh, they allow 21.8 points per game to opposing running backs that ranks 12th in our true matchup rankings with a points over average of 2.9 percent but they're much weaker against defending pass catching production from opposing backfields allowing 9.7 points per game to receiving production specifically which is 9.2 percent over the expected average to the running back position. So they are kind of middling against the run. They're not great against it, still 12th in true matchup ranking, but they really struggle at stemming receiving production from running backs. So ETN's team-leading opportunity share now is rock-solid foundation for RB1 production as a floor, and the matchup increases his efficiency numbers into a top five positional asset in week 10. I have him as RB5 overall. I, I really think Travis ETN is not just RB1 consistently throughout 
2022 and and the rest of the year to close out fantasy playoffs but i think like weak winning upside this week for sure as a top five asset in over 18 points uh, i love it travis Etienne. you could tell he, he uh, pops off the page when he runs um yeah, and he's not still, I got to say it again, like he's not even being utilized in his full arsenal yet. Like yeah. he really is a CMC opportunity share guy where he can maintain six to eight targets a game with 55 receiving yards. Like, and they're not even using that yet. Like it's slowly coming, you can see. And, and obviously his efficiency metrics and those receiving numbers are incredible. But man, when they finally, they haven't even unleashed him yet. And he's an, an RB1. <laughs> I thought they were going to unleash him against a vulnerable defense last week. They didn't. I mean, he had a great game, but they didn't re- unleash him in the passing game. It's going to be interesting because Trevor Lawrence is uh, struggling a bit. So it'll be interesting if he... If, I mean, he, it's, it's starting to come along a little more now. Like, like yeah. you know, Trevor Lawrence is... is he's still at QB12 overall in points per game, right? So it's it's coming along. He's had some down games, but that, that floor is getting a little more stable. He's being making decisions at a better rate. And I think that decision-making will come with less errant deep balls and more checkdowns to ETN. I assume they're going to draft a wide receiver. I also assume they're going to... I mean, Calvin Ridley is going to play next year, so... I'm excited Doesn't to see matter. him plus Calvin Ridley. I what you don't think you don't think so? I think Calvin Ridley. No, I, I no, I think juice. Calvin Ridley is a huge asset for them. Yeah. I love Calvin Ridley. I just mean they're definitely drafting a wide receiver still. Oh yeah, yeah, is what I sure. oh yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter that he's back. Yeah, nah, for sure. Yeah, so they they they're gonna add those guys. I like to see Trevor Lawrence one one more year under his belt, and then you know next year because I, I think these guys get too like I, and I'm well documented about how how I thought Zach Wilson yeah, it's, it's was. Still- is being unfairly judged early in his career, and I think that Sam Darnold, a guy like Sam Darnold too, like is just like people crush him. He's never had a fair opportunity, I feel like. But anyway, we won't get into Sam Darnold propaganda right now. I'm going to go with my second guy. Michael's going to hate me for this one, but I'm going with it anyway. It's Justin Fields against the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields is riding high, four straight games with 60 plus rushing yards, and he plays the Lions, who not only are the eighth best matchup over average, but allow are the second best matchup in points over average to the rushing running back as well as the 10th best matchup for the running back so you can run quarterback for the rushing quarterback and the 10th against the running back <laughs> yes sorry about that yeah. so second best go. matchup against the rushing quarterback 10th best matchup against the rushing running back um and you know he plays both of those roles so does Justin Fields so he should have a field day on the ground and they've been doing the Chase Claypool, six targets, didn't do much with them in his opening game, but six targets, so Fields obviously comfortable throwing to him. Uh, Darnell Mooney has had some usable games uh, in the last few weeks. He's a guy who went from fantasy death to, you know, maybe a usable asset. Justin Fields is getting a little better. Now, I know Michael's going to say he hasn't thrown over. He's going to call him Mr. 206 because he hasn't thrown over 206 yards. That's very true, but this is fantasy football, and you don't have to throw over 206 yards in order to have a great game. He had a great game last week, and I think against the Lions, he has an opportunity to do the same this week and will do the same this week in in an individual matchup versus Detroit in a game where this defense is very vulnerable to his skill set. So I think Justin Fields... Uh, if you picked him up a few weeks ago or last week or whenever you picked him up, uh, I, I have a I have a friend. Uh, well, we have a patron Earth who's smart enough to hold him all season. Five, really nice in a <laughs> yeah, super course, super man. flex. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know I played super yeah, flex. I mean, like you're not holding a backup quarterback in a in a twelve team. Um, <laughs> no. no, so let's get into our next ones. Let's get a little negative, Matt. Uh, you'll go first on this one. What? The bench warmer of the week. Two of them. Who you got? 
Hello. Oh, bench warmer. Oh, wait. I didn't even do my first grand or my second grand uh, slam. That's man, why I was, I was like scrolling mother, through my notes. I, you know, it, it was only a matter of time before I fucked that up. All right. Yeah. Go go. give, me, give us right. your give us your grand slam it, before we get into these bench warmers. Grand slam. Grand slam. Yeah. Th- it, this is this one's real quick, too. And it, it's kind of obvious, but I had to bring it up because we're on social media. We're, we, we promote our stuff on social media. We, you know, we run a lot of, um, you know, articles and everything to, through twitter and not so one of the craziest things i've seen uh, was calling saquon barkley a buy low like i don't understand how you can call an Bruh. rb5 overall a buy low that's Bruh. averaging over 19 points per game <laughs> but so Bruh. in in verse of that like grand slam smash of the week saquon barkley is actually my rb1 overall uh heading into week 10 matchup against the texans which defense is for not, obvious reasons which is not wild it's, at all Texans defense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> They're allowing a league worst 180.6 rushing yards per game, 30.9 points per game to the position. They rank first overall in our true matchup rank, giving 41.1% points over the expected average and 77.0 points over expected to just the rushing production specifically, which if the Giants go up, it's still handoffs to Barkley in garbage time. They don't really have a RB2. You know, he's still going to get an 80% opportunity share, even if they blow them out. He's averaging 19.6 points per game this season, which ranks RB5. As I said, he has a league leading opportunity share of 85.0% and a completely, absolutely elite target share of 17.1%. Uh, Increased production. That's exactly it. It's increased production over average. It's expected increased production for a guy that is already dominating fantasy football. So Grand Slam Smash of the Week, you plug Saquon Barkley in. If you're lucky enough to have him on your lineups, that's a week winning matchup. Boom, mother mucking boom. All right, let's get actually get into these uh, these sits now. I'm going to go first since uh, I messed that one up last time. It, Thank you. <laughs> my first guy is Tyler Higby versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the reason why I'm putting this guy here is because everyone else is going to tell you to play him. Every single other person is going to be like, yeah, Arizona's a great matchup. Let's play him. But Matt kind of teased my argument earlier when they said, and they stopped playing him at left tackle. They're not going to stop playing him at left tackle. And Matt Stafford's probably not going to play, which I didn't even know this when I made this pick. So, you know, I think that Matt Stafford not playing actually maybe lifts Tyler Higby up a little bit more. Uh, because, you know, the backup quarterbacks usually like to find their safety blanket tight ends. But with that being said, Tyler Higby, the Arizona Cardinals are the third best true true matchup. They're giving up 18.4 points a game to the tight end. Again, let me repeat that. 18.4 points per game to the tight end. Usually this would be a part where I say play that tight end. No, I'm going to say sit that tight end. Last week, Tyler Higby had 79% of the snaps and only one target. Like Matt said, ever since their starting left tackle has gone down, he has been used as a chip blocking assistant left tackle. Uh, let's just put it, let's show you, to show you how his role has shrunk. Over the past three games, he's been targeted nine times total. Just to put that into perspective, he had nine or more targets in four of five games before that. So he had nine or more targets in four or five games. He's had nine targets in three combined since the left tackle went down. Plus, Matt Stafford's in concussion protocol. I don't want anything to do with Tyler Higby, even if the numbers tell you this is a fantastic matchup. Now, can he fall into the end zone just like any other tight end? Yes, he can. But I am betting against it on this one. I think there's a much better. There's some much better plays on the waiver wire. There's some much better plays out there right now. So... Um, David Njoku was one of them, but damn, very disappointed that he's not going to play. But yes, that is my first sit. It's Tyler Higby going against the grain, going against the great matchup. Matt, uh, who are you going with here? 
kind of a similar narrative a little bit here. Uh, and it's Devin Singletary as the Bills face off against the Vikings. As we mentioned earlier, the Bills may be without Josh Allen in their Week 10 matchup. And even if he does play, it's probably a little bit of a reduced scoring offense without his big playability and his deep threat ability. Uh, he's dealing with an elbow sprain, as we said, which, again, that's probably going to reduce a lot of open targets and maybe lean on the run game a little more, which I think people are trying to express a narrative of positivity um, for Singletary. But a lot of his points per game that people haven't really noticed have come from the check down and come from passing offense and come from touchdowns. He's not a high producer in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns. He's been kind of middling over the last few weeks. And we can assume that Case Keenum would increase Singletary's target ceiling a little bit with checkdowns and Buffalo would write a neutral game script to minimize their passing volume, thus maybe increasing some rushing opportunities. But we can also assume that that offense is going to have lower value of opportunities as they downgrade their abilities to put points up in bunches. Um, None of that factors None of those factors, rather, instill much confidence in Singletary to me as a must-start option this week. His defensive matchup increases that doubt for me, to be honest. Uh, The Bills are facing a defense in the Vikings that combined to allow 17.3 points to opposing backfields, which ranks 28th overall as one of the worst matchups for running backs in fantasy. Their points over average rating is negative 16.3%, which could mean disastrous things for Singletary if the Bills' output is minimal on the scoreboard. And over the last... Four contests? Yeah, over the last four contests, he's had just 9.6 PPR points per game, uh, which is obviously a huge downgrade from his early season heroics. So I'm heavily downgrading Singletary in this matchup, whether or not Allen suits up, because I don't see the Bills putting up 36 points, which is kind of where Singletary's been thriving. He's had a huge snap share, but he doesn't have a massive opportunity share in NFL standards. He's their lead back, but he's not a workhorse running back. And... In a negative game script, a negative matchup with an ailing quarterback or a quarterback in his first start of the season, I don't see Devin Singletary with that high-end RB2 upside. That's a tough one. I think that... The, I, this, I, I this mean, game... certainly don't even see him in flex relative. Like, I, there's somebody that we'll get into later in our streamers that I would legitimately start over Devin Singletary. This I, I think I'll, I I think I'd, I'd challenge you on that one. I think I think Devin Singletary is an RA play. When, the one thing that, that scares me is you don't know how how much Naheem Hines is going to get involved in this game. That definitely scares me uh, because you can't imagine that you learned anything from last week. He was only there for a few days. Um, I think that... Yeah, he played one snap. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't really learn anything from that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So that does scare me. So I see where you're coming from. I do. I see where you're coming from. But I, I think that this this game might call for a little. Bit I like more a I, I like running. a little challenge on you, but yeah, man, I I legit like outside of the top thirty six. Uh, let's get into my second sit. This one's gonna hard, be hard. It's Terry McLaurin at the Philadelphia Ooh. Eagles. I know this one is uh, well. That's where that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this this one is, is is controversial. This actually was in my tier down at first, and I had Gabe Davis in my sit, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna switch this. Because I think Terry McLaurin should. I think a bunch of guys should be played over Terry McLaurin. He's, and he's. I think he's barely touching wide receiver three. Like I understand if you get him in the flex uh, this week, but I. I think that his upside is really capped. The the Philadelphia Eagles defense has been absolutely amazing this season. They are number two in pass, pass defensive DVOA. Um, they've only allowed sixty nine yards to a wide receiver one time, and the sixty nine yards, by the way, uh, was they've only 
allowed over 60 yards twice, and one of those was to Philip Dorsett uh, last week. So I don't really think that counts, if I'm being honest. Like, that was just like, <laughs> like they're like, okay, Phil. Okay, Phil, you could have some yards. Yeah, do what you want. Yeah. yeah um, so it's it's funny when when we talk about guys, we're so used to saying their their first and last names. It's like, yo, people call this guy Phil. Like he's Phil. You look at Philip Dorsett, he's like this this guy from Miami U. It's like yo, his name is Philip. His name is Phil. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's uh, so random. Dude. It's just such a it's like we we say their their name. They're supposed to be these. And then their name is Phil. You know what I mean? Like, like a guy's name is Tim. Like, just like, I don't know. Um, with any, anyway, uh, where am I? Yeah, so ironically, it was McLaurin who was the only person that scored over 69 yards, and it was last week. But that, I mean, the last time they played each other, but that was a different quarterback, different time, different circumstances, and a one really big play that kind of uh, did that. The Eagles have been great against the fantasy wide receiver as well. They are a top five, uh, bottom five, excuse me, matchup, 28th overall in defensive points over average. They've only given up 20. 23.7 yards um, to to the wide receiver. I think also Jahan Dotson coming back is something that uh, I'm keeping an eye out here. I think that there's an uh, there's a chance that Jahan Dotson uh, doesn't come back and, and not have any role. Like he's gonna take targets away from Terry McLaurin. So uh, Jahan Dotson plus the Eagles defense. Plus Tyler Haneke not like losing the steam, you know. Like Tyler mm-hmm. Haneke always, yeah. it's always the same with him when he's he always got over. a little bit of magic. Yeah, yeah and, he's then, fine. and then it like Fitzpatrick. poofs out. Right, exactly. I mean, I think Fitzpatrick was a little better than him, but well, he's definitely yeah. Sorry, no disrespect to Fitz Magic, man. Yeah, but I just so, mean that kind of same yeah. circular, yeah, 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 type. So, yeah, so I, I think that that's what we're. Uh, that's what we're looking at here. I think that he is a he's a sit candidate. I, I don't want to I don't want to ruin people's vibes out there, but I think he's a sit candidate in this matchup. And, it's, and since he's playing on a Monday, you're gonna have to make that pivot. And I think you could be comfortable making that pivot and not waiting on on. It's gonna be like oh, I, so many people are gonna be like, I need Terry McLaurin to score me 16 points, and they're all gonna be disappointed. I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, so one of the ones that I was alluding to earlier, which is really funny because I literally had the exact same points over average numbers with Travis Kelsey scoring 10. And, but true matchup and points over average tool in the app is one of my all-time favorite tools in this space and in this industry. And that's not being biased. It's it's my favorite tool for start sit. It's it's my favorite tool for understanding trends and, and strength of season schedule and, and you know who you can play as streamers and, and everything like that. And one of the things that you know we've mentioned a few times is that the tool is particularly effective when you're looking at island positions like tight end or quarterback. And what I mean by island positions is like points per game metrics account for every player at the position, meaning if a team allows 30 points per game to wide receivers, it isn't 30 points a game to every wide receiver individually, but 30 points per game to the team wide receiver receiving core as a whole that they face, right? So same goes for running backs. It's not, it's every running back that had a snap. It's not just Zeke gets 20 points per game. It's Zeke and Pollard combined for 20 points per game. Um, but when you look at quarterbacks or tight ends, obviously those two positions are dominated by one guy that takes the majority of the snaps, the majority of the routes, the majority of the opportunities. Obviously, a quarterback takes every snap. But that's what makes points over average for those two positions so strong when you're analyzing the tight end position specifically. So 
Now, let me introduce you to the New Orleans Saints defense, <laughs> who allow a deafening and minimal total of 5.8 points per game Ugh. to opposing tight ends. Whoa. That ranks 30 seconds. 30 second, dead last, the worst possible matchup and true matchup rank. And they allow minus 46.3% below the expected average. Hot damn. At their 32nd rank ranking. And yeah, everybody's like, you know, well, Isaiah likely was a tight end one, one against them. Isaiah likely caught one target for 26 yards and a touchdown on busted coverage. How do I know that it was busted coverage? Because I was literally sitting behind the play when it happened. <laughs> like I watched 11 Saints defenders bite on a Lamar Jackson bootleg and completely forget that Isaiah likely wasn't even lined up as a blocker, but was sitting in the slot running around. So, I mean, that he had six targets. He led the team in targets and only had one catch. Even the best receiving production out of an entire team was one catch for 26 yards at that position. The Saints are deafening against the tight ends. And I don't consider 9.6 per game to be elite production by any means. And Friermuth is facing a... Oh, that Friermuth is averaging 12.6 and minus 46.3% below average. I'm not playing a tight end with a 9.6 differential in points per game. That's definitely not where I'm targeting. Kenny Pickett hasn't been anything exciting. Yes, Fryermouth has probably been the most consistent and best pass catcher overall in that offense with um, Deontay Johnson kind of just hitting the basement despite a incredibly elite target share. But against the Saints defense, uh, negative game script, and they've should be getting Lattimore back healthy. Maybe not, but again, like they kept likely in check without issue, have kept every tight end in check without issue, without Lattimore on the field at certain points. Um, they put extreme pressure on the quarterback and they have Demario Davis, who is one of the best cover linebackers in the NFL. So as much as I like Pat Fryermouth, uh game in and game out, and certainly as a dynasty asset and rest of season outlook, I feel pretty strong as, as him continuing his top 12 reign. I am not starting him at all. And there's so many good tight end pivots that are available. We'll name some later, but you know, guys like Evan Ingram, guys like Tyler Conklin, guys like Greg Dulcich, who still has an unbelievably low roster ship. Uh, those guys are much better pivot options than Pat Fryermouth, in my opinion. You're giving away a little bit of myself here, uh, Matt, but I'll, I'll forgive you for now. All right. Let's, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Well, isn't I it forgot. your sauce? Isn't it time for your sauce? Oh, no, I skipped the category. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. I thought yet, I was setting you up with such a good segue. Not quite yet for the sauce. All right. Uh, let's get into the diamond in the rough. I'm not going to lie. My diamond in the rough here is a uh, is narrative-based. And usually I don't like being narrative-based, but I'm going to go narrative-based on this one. Slightly numbers-based, but mostly narrative-based. My first diamond in the rough sleeper is George Pickens. Now, George Pickens is not in the best matchup. You just mentioned uh, the Saints is not the best matchup. But I do believe that the Steelers coming off a bye are going to have a few things drawn up. They gave up uh, Chase Claypool. And them giving up Chase Claypool is a direct like check mark under we believe in you, George Pickens. So I think that uh, they feel the heat. They are going to have to make a move. They are uh, fastly approaching a situation where they're going to have to face a, a, a difficult situation like, do we take a quarterback or do we keep Kenny Pickett? Um, that's probably going to be a situation that they're going to be facing if they continue down this path. So I think they're going to get Pickett involved. I think uh, Pickett's involved. I think that um, the reason, like I said, the reason why they, they traded Chase Claypool is because they believe in George Pickens after the bye week. They should be getting him more involved. Now, he did have zero points the last time you saw him, but before that, he was trending up. 
He was a usable asset for weeks in a row. Uh, so I think George Pickens has the opportunity to be a sleeper and maybe be a value in your um, in your lineups this week. Uh, that's my first sleeper. Matt, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm curious because you are the Saints fan here. I'm, I, yeah, no, and I, I mean, I absolutely agree. I, I genuinely do agree with that entire narrative about nice. George Pickens, and it was something that I wrote about in my previous buy low, sell high before their bye week. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not like going to go as far to say that I'm all in on George Pickens, but I certainly think that there is a case to be made already um, seeing what we are seeing from Deontay, that he's the most talented receiver on that offense. Uh, ooh. Hmm. Uh, let's get into... Uh, I'm saying there's a case for it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is. Hey, I agree. Uh, let's get into your first sleeper, Matt. Who you got? Kind of an interesting narrative play as well on my side. You know, for better or worse, uh, Wandale Robinson is the Giants' top receiving option, of course, outside of Saquon Barkley. And he's slowly been growing into that role, pun intended, because he's only 5'7", but he's slowly, slowly growing into his mini alpha wide receiver role. Um, and they kind of don't have an option but to continue using him, especially with the needs that they have all over the team. I don't think, with the way that they're winning, that Brian Dayball is going <clears> to <throat> really do anything other than try and develop uh, Wandale Robinson as somebody that he can manufacture touches for in big game situations. He's received four, eight, three targets over the last three games. He's running 10, 12, 28 routes, respectively, on average snap share of 66.7%. So, you know, if you can't tell, an obvious uptick um, since he's come back from his little bit of an injury. And the Giants are desperately trying to keep playoff hopes alive because that NFC East conference is really tough. So they have to beat out all other wildcard um, candidates, obviously. They have to get in on record alone. And they have to keep churning and keep working. And yeah, they're going to run through Barkley and it's the Houston Texans. So that shouldn't be too difficult. But it's the Houston Texans. So manufactured touchers for Wandale Robinson shouldn't be too difficult either. And if we can kind of get Wandale into a six targets um, that are manufactured with, you know, that three yard a dot and he's got blocking schemes working downfield which we know dayball is is great one of the great um offensive minded guys at doing so much like a mike mcdaniel much like a Kyle shanahan in that sense his receivers get yak um so certainly somebody that i'm watching rest of season certainly somebody that i see has some streaming upside this week and a bit of a diamond in the rough that i think not just in streaming but if you have an opportunity to pick him up he might show a little bit of rest of season flex upside i like that I, I think that's a I think that's a good pick there for a sleeper. Um, I'm going to go with the mirror image of my first sleeper, and my deep sleeper is Chase Claypool uh, versus the Lions. The guy that I just talked about him getting uh, traded. I think that he's he's in a good matchup against the Lions, a vulnerable matchup. They're giving up 31.4 points a game uh, to the wide receiver position, and Justin Fields showed right off the bat that he is not afraid to get Chase Claypool involved in the offense right away. He got six targets in his first game after only being with the team for like a couple days. Now he gets to be with the team a little longer. This is a Monday night game as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, this is not the Monday night game I'm bugging. Uh, this is a regular Sunday game, but still an entire week of practice with the team, an entire week to get more acclimated with Justin Fields, who's also feeling himself. Um, and he's got the little swag going right now. So I think Justin Fields has a big game, and I think there's a chance that Chase Claypool gets into the end zone in this, in this one. And um, I think there's – I think, look, Aaron Glenn is not having the best season as a defensive coordinator, but you have to assume that he's going to try his best to, who, to shadow Fields, to stop Fields from running. 
That's going to be their main concern. Can we stop Justin Fields from running? So that may open up some stuff in the passing game. So I think that, you know, Darnell Mooney and and Chase Claypool are both sneaky plays in this game where uh, the passing volume for the Bears could be a little higher than uh, we expect. Uh, but that's deep sleeper to, to be noted. Matt, who's your deep sleeper? I'm going to go even deeper. And I mean, again, couldn't come back on with a, 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 without a bit of favoritism and propaganda for the boys that I love. It's Rashad White. It's Rashad Ooh. White. It's a deep sleeper. It's definitely a, a high upside or nothing play. It's, it's a boom or bust to the extreme. But beat reporters are indicating that Rashad may be in for a significant increase in playing time as he slowly takes over the lead role from veteran teammate Lenny Fournette, who has been, you know, pretty garbage as a rusher, but has been maintaining a decent target share, which has kept him in that flex territory, certainly not even RB2 territory anymore. But week nine may have kind of been the foreshadowing of the narrative that so many beat reporters are pushing um, after that, you know, squeaky win against the Rams. And that's the narrative that Rashad White received more rushing attempts than Leonard Fournette for the first time this season. And he was on the field for 100% of the offensive snaps that closed out the Buccaneers final drive in the second half and the third quarter Lenny, in two Lenny was super pissed. high pressured situations and was pissed he was about pissed. exactly that. Yeah. Exa- right. So they when it was when it was lead back every snap who's the better pass blocker like not who is the better running back in scenario who's the better running back in all three scenarios they went with Rashad White. Yep. And oh my so, God, Matt, please be right. My fantasy team would literally go to the shoot to the top of my home league. I would, I would shoot to the top. I would shoot right to the top. If I had Rashad White in my flex, and he's the, the guy. He's the man. And I mean, stealing words out of my mouth because I've long touted Rashad White as the league winning running back. If he should ever be named or take over a you know, start to see like a opportunity share around 60% in a true committee or take over the lead role. Um, and both of those things look like they're kind of beginning to ring true. No, they're not there yet. I'm not jumping off a bridge to say that Rashad White is their RB1, but I believe that if you see him take over that role, and and this could be a week that they would do it in a uh, you know overseas game, kind of trying to throw a little bit of something different at a, at a team that they need to win games. Like they need to almost clear the tables if they want to, you know, be in a position where they can get the first round by the NFC South. No, isn't too difficult, but man, they're looking bad. (laughs) Like they're looking straight up bad. So I know that they're in a position where every win is crucial. And the Seahawks are an awesome matchup for Rashad white, just from a rushing perspective, which is the one thing that he has taken over from Lenny. They're allowing 138.7 yards per game to running backs, which is 27th um, in the NFL and a top 10 matchup and true matchup ranking to the running back position. We know from his prospect profile that Rashad white is legitimately one of the best pass catchers in collegiate football history from a market share perspective. If they start to utilize him in some of Lenny's role in the pass catching work and continue that uptick in rushing percentage and snap percentage. I mean, it's, it's to the moon for Rashad white and his talent. Uh, I hope so. From your mouth to it's a deep boomer bust play when he tears. doesn't actually have that role yet. Yeah. But with the way that things are reported, I, I'll take a dart throw on it in a desperate league. This is this is why we get this is the deep one, right? These are the that's why we it's a deep sleeper. That's why we uh we make it clear which one is which. This is why because you need to know this is not this this is not the sleeper for everybody. You shouldn't be. This is a boss. This is a giant cojones type play. This is uh yep. <laughs> this, is. this is the hero play. Uh, but it's a good one. All right, let's get into our streamers. Matt, what do you say? I'm going to go into my first streamer because it's wild. My first streamer is Jacoby Brissett. Um, he's playing the Dolphins. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, this is how it is right now in the quarterback landscape. I, I could have gone Derek Carr uh, against the Colts, but I think that might be a more of a running 
kind of situation. I could have gone Jared Goff, but uh, the Bears have been pretty good against the quarterback. And I landed on Jacoby Brissett. I think that he's been a guy who's been usable a few times uh, in in this this year. He's finished as a quarterback one twice. He's been the RB 18 or better five times a season. Now, these are not stats that are going to blow you away, but he also has Deshaun Watson breathing down his neck. Uh, Deshaun Watson set to return next week, the week after. Week after. The week after next. Uh, so oh, wait, week ten, week eleven. Oh yeah, week eleven it's next week. Yeah. Man. So this wow. is this is the might be the last time Jacoby Brissett is on a football field and he has a matchup that he could take advantage of. The Miami Dolphins are the fifth best matchup in quarterbacks points over average. They're allowing twenty two point two points to the quarterback. They're also giving up a lot of points to the rushing quarterback. Fifty. 55% over average, but they're the fourth best matchup against the pass. Let's not get it twisted. Um, and they're going to have to score points, uh, the Browns. I think there's a big game in store. I think Kareem Hunt could have a big game in this game. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not off the Kareem Hunt bandwagon, but I think Nick Chubb definitely has a big game. I think that although Amari Cooper has struggled on the road, I think that he has a chance to have a big game. Maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones catches a long one. Uh, I think that this is going to be a score fest, and I think they're going to need to score. So uh, with that being said, I think that Jacoby Brissett, not a bad play at quarterback. Michael and Jason are going to be mad at me. I already know they are. Um, so, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going with it anyway. They're going to eat it. They ain't here. <laughs> I'm going with it anyway. Would you would you I have mean, the balls to start Jacoby Brissett this week, Matt? You, I saw your face when dude, I mentioned it. Well, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Like, I think there's a better pivot, and I may have stolen them from you. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, we're in that territory of QB streamers in this per- portion in the season, too, where a lot of the elite quarterbacks as well are hitting their buys. We saw Mahomes and Allen go back to week buys. Now it's or back to back uh, bye weeks. Now it's um, and, and Justin Herbert was on the same bye week. Now it's Lamar Jackson's turn, J- Joe Burrow's turn. Um, and we got Kyler Murray's turn coming up. So, yeah, it's getting to that that crunch time territory when it comes to elite quarterback bye week. So, I mean, we're all in positions uh, with some rosters where you really got to throw darts at the board and hoping you're landing 320s. I don't hate any play, honestly, when you're looking, especially it's a good matchup like that. That's kind of where it comes into play. That is that is a decent matchup to stream quarterbacks for yeah. uh, Jacoby is not my number one option there, but a good enough matchup where when you're throwing darts and flipping coins, shoot for the moon. Hey, I like it. Uh, so who's your streamer, my brother? I'm I, I'm going to, you know go straight to the pretty boy moon uh, and go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Did you see that uh, viral picture? Did you see the viral pictures been going around of the quarterbacks as women? And like, Oh, Jimmy's so beautiful. Yo, Jimmy is like, yo, I was like, yo, that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful woman right there. Zach Wilson also looks just like his mom beautiful who man. is like, uh, okay, she can a beautiful woman. That's, that's not, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep it at there. We're going to keep it respectful. We respect women around here. All right, go ahead. Wait, go ahead. Mac. Is it on to it? On to the next beautiful human. It, it's, you know, I think Jimmy does get a lot of flack for being in probably the best system, uh, built for, just producing quarterback production on accident. Um, But he's perfect in that system and he's comfortable with it and it works for him. He's averaging 8.1 yards per attempt. That's fifth overall in the league. He has the fifth highest adjusted yards per attempt. Um, 12 or 12th rather 0.50 and fantasy points per drop back. So he's a top QB one on every attempt essentially it's just a low volume offense and it's low volume because 
Kyle Shanahan is a master at one thing. He's I'm not going to go as far to call him a master offensive coordinator. I think that's been proven or been disproven, especially with the success that we see Mike McDaniel having in Miami. Um, but I will go with that. He's an expert master game manager. The San Francisco 49ers consistently lead the league in time of possession. Like that, that's what they're good at doing. And that opens up a pretty good position for Jimmy G in a divisional matchup where he is averaging just enough points per game to keep him in that streamer territory, to keep him in that mid-range QB two territory against a struggling defense. If Jimmy can get off 25, 30 pass attempts per game, the efficiency metrics are there. The points per dropback are there. The points per attempt are there. He's one of the most protected quarterbacks in the league. The San Francisco 49ers have kept him in a clean pocket percentage at 91.6% of his dropbacks. So, Everything's lining up for Jimmy to kind of be the next unsuspecting team to topple a struggling Los Angeles Rams. And I could see him certainly, he's already in that range as, you know, as points per game totals have indicated, but I can certainly see him break through that mid-range QB2 um, in a big unsuspecting game against, again, uh, just a struggling Super Bowl contender. I like that. I like Jimmy G on, on this week. I think that he's a good streamer as well. Yeah. Um, let's get into our streamer tight ends and I've been on a roll. I continued my roll streak kind of last week, a little bit cheap, but Hunter Henry did finish as the tight end 11. All right. So didn't kill your team seven points, uh, in half PPR, which is not the worst output, but also not the best, but the streak continues. And I am very confident about my pick this week It's Greg Dulcich of the uh, Broncos, like you said, still ridiculously low owned in uh, Yahoo to the point where he has uh, he qualifies for this. Uh, he shouldn't. He should be on your roster because I'm about to go why 100%. he has. A, I'm about to go why it is now. But you should also know this: his upcoming schedule is a thing of beauty. Las Vegas, Carolina, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Arizona through Week 15. If you don't know already, go check the Broto app. Those are top, top matchups. And when it comes to tight ends, matchups matter. They're coming off the bye week, so he should be even more involved. He had a he had a very, very, very good um, situation uh, already going into the bye because he started the year on IR. Now he's a rookie, so. This is very much going against my own grain of what I what I usually bank on, but he's that good where I feel like you can bank on him having this production because he's part of the offense. Uh, since he came back uh, in week six was his first week, uh, he completely took over. Uh, before that, it was Eric Tomlinson, Eric Saubert. Um, they had a few guys, Andrew Beck. Then all of a sudden, he took over. It was him and Andrew Beck. He had 71% of the snaps in his first game, 10% of the targets. Respectable. First game. Had a pretty decent game. In his next game, 59% of the snaps, 19.6% of the targets. And before the before we got into the bye week, he played on 80% of the snaps, 16.7% target share, five targets, uh, Really dominated one drive where his family, where his all of his fantasy points came from, but still dominated that one drive and got and looked great as he did it. Um, and I think that his upcoming schedule plus this matchup against Tennessee, Tennessee is the sixth best matchup uh, in terms of points over average. Where Matt already explained that these numbers are even better um, when it 
comes to these individualized positions like tight end, uh, they are allowing 13.6 points per game to the tight end. That is 44% over average. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a beautiful matchup for Mr. Greg D, who's very much involved in the offense. Uh, to give you a little hint, uh, something that uh, the patrons, one of the patrons, is going to ask later: Greg Gerald Everett or Greg Dortch? I mean, uh, Greg Dortch, uh, uh, Greg Dolchich, and uh, I. I'm going. I have that. I have that decision to make myself, and I am going with Greg Dolchich right now. Um, I would look like a hypocrite because I have Everett in there, but like I said, it's a strategy. I want the most projected points as I can. Intimidation. Yeah, but on Saturday uh, night, that is getting changed to uh, Mr. Dolchich because I think he's going to have a great game in this one. Not just a good game. I think that he's. Uh, I think that he, I would lock him in for a top six tight end uh, this week. So uh, I agree. I have him at six. <laughs> there, there you go. So me and Matt on the same page here. I think Dulce is a good tight end streamer. Who do you got for the people, Matt, besides uh, Greg, Greg D? A little, a little lower than Greg Dulcich, and I do kind of consider this guy a sell in dynasty and season long formats. But you might have to hold on to him one more game if you're looking for a streamer, and that's Cole Komet. I mean, the Bears mm-hmm. play the Lions. It's, it's just that's that's kind of almost where the analysis needs to start and end. But Cole Komet's been. Climbing up, man. Climbing up a little bit, especially with Justin Fields increasing his passing output. Obviously, teams are going to have to account for the rushing output now. Um, He just broke the single-season rushing record for quarterbacks. So, yeah, teams are really going to have to start keying in on that if they don't want to lose games to a 21-year-old. But Cole Komet led all members of the offense with a 97.0% snap share. That was 72 snaps. He earned a 21.4% target share, which also led the team. That was six targets. He caught five passes for 41 yards and two touchdowns, which was the best game of his career in all three years, uh, 22.0 points per game against the Dolphins, which, you know, was obviously... No, we're not going to see two touchdowns uh, per game from Cole Komet, but six targets isn't that much to ask. And if you're looking for 40 yards, uh, five passes, which is right around streamer territory, somebody that can fall into the end zone, um, I think Cole Komet's a great option only for this Lions game. Again, I'm not going to go against my grain and say that he should be held or rostered throughout the entire season because I, I do think that that game gives people an opportunity to sell somebody that is rubbing the hype of Justin Fields is kind of rubbing off on him and the other members of the Bears offense as well, where their value is getting bolstered in a bit of a butterfly effect because of how good Justin Fields has been playing lately. Um, and, and obviously that above 40 point per game ceiling has only solidified that butterfly effect of value. But that said, you're when you're looking for tight end streamers, there's really only a few things that, that I genuinely want. It's a high snap share and a high route participation. Um, you hope that the targets come because they're in streamer territory, right? Like, you know, these guys aren't top options. All the top options are locked in, but you want, you want them on the field to run their routes and the chance that the targets come and they find the end zone. And Cole Komet has done at least that all season. No, the production hasn't been there, but the participation has been the snap participation has been, and the targets have kind of steadied out to around five per game. Um, over his last six so i'm fine with a streaming option of cole Komet here he's not my in my top 12 by any means but if i can get nine points per game or nine ppr points out of him in this game i feel pretty good about it all right matt if you guys don't know matt not only spits bars on these podcasts but also is spitting bars every single uh, Sunday morning on Crunch Time, uh, Crunch Time Live. We actually were, were we're recording this with the Crunch Time Live logo in the corner. I just realized, um, and we and when he does that, 
crunch time. The whole point is it's from 10.30 Eastern to 12 Eastern. That's one hour before kickoff. The whole point is start-sit decisions. And Matt has been killing the game. I, I appeared on that a couple times, but it's usually Matt and Cass. I think the, the duo Matt and Cass are going to be on together this Sunday for the first time in a while, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, so that's fantastic. I, I think. Back. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the original duo is back. Personally, I love listening to those guys on the way back from my football games. The reason why... You know the reason we we play football, and just in case anyone was wondering, we we locked up we lock up first place with a win this weekend, and there's a five hundred dollar prize on the line. So we are uh, we're definitely looking to lock up that first place, but not 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 the end goal, the championship. Get the, that bread. Yeah, the championship and the and the and the real bread is when the champ is in the championship. We're trying to get there, um, but anyway. Uh, I love listening to these guys on the way back. They're the start-sit decisions. So let's get into the start-sit decisions for the patrons. Uh, this is exclusively for our patrons. We take them only on the Discord. That's accessible by the patrons only. And, um, yeah, so let's get into this. You ready, Matt? Absolutely. All right, first one is from Alexander the Great. He says, Khalif Raymond or Melgo PPR. Pick one. Ooh, that's an interesting one. I like those, like, weird low-ball ones. Mm. I'm going to go... Honestly, I'm going to go with Melgo here. Yeah. And I know that that, that that might be a little bit contrary, but but I think I'm going to go with Melgo. I would say Melgo, too. I don't think that's a contrary in play. I think that uh, Khalif is the contrary Really? I mean, I, play. I, meh. He had one I, I always feel like when you're talking about boom or bust like players, though, the wide receiver gets favored more than the running back. Especially in PPR. But, uh, yeah, but I, I, I'm Melgo here. Interesting here. Nick Lovin says, PPR start Swift and Mostert or... Smith and Jamal Will- Swift and Jamal Williams. So he is not letting us pick Jamal Williams and Raheem Mostert. He wants to start <laughs> Swift. So would you start alongside Fair. Swift, Jamal Williams? Would you just lock up that backfield? Or would you start Raheem Mostert? Because of probably you're probably starting Jamal Williams over Raheem Mostert in most cases. Yeah, but- so that, that's kind of where, where I'm going to have to lean because we have to put Swift in that lineup. And yeah, yo, Jeff Wilson came on a trade deadline, was there for five days, and earned a higher opportunity share than Raheem Mostert did in his first game. So Very interesting. Mike McDaniels has another piece of that San Francisco 49ers backfield that he loved so much when he was in the Bay Area, and I think he's going to keep utilizing it as such. Um, that said, I would not have a problem whatsoever starting Jamal Williams over Raheem Mostert. So if you want to lock up that Lions backfield because Swift seems to be a must-start option, absolutely. I think it's Jamal and Swift here. All right, uh, start two PPR from Nick Levin again. Hardman, Thielen, Mostert, Jamal. I think Mostert and Jamal for me. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to go with Jamal. And, well, and man, if if Hardman if Hardman's healthy and if Hardman clears uh, full practice, then I want to go Hardman and really? Jamal Williams. Really? Over Mostert? Yep. Huh. Yep. Interesting. I'd go Mostert and Jamal there, just the, the guaranteed volume. Uh, PPR, Greg D., or Kyle Pitts. Like Kyle Pitts is playing right now, so you can't do it. I'm, I just I just went off on Greg D. I would have probably taken Greg D. To be I honest. would have one thousand percent taken Greg D. I don't even yeah. know what I don't even know what Pitts is doing right now. It's, it's nineteen to nine. Yeah, Devonta Foreman. I think he's got one catch for nine yards. Uh, Foreman is killing them. He's killing. Oh them. man, that was the I smashed that over. It was minus one ten um, over fifty four and a half rushing yards. Just oh what, my what line? God. What line was Vegas setting there? That was on DraftKings Sportsbook. Damn. All right, from Mullen ten thirty one. We got. PPR flex spot, Michael Gallup, Rondell Moore, Allen Robinson. I think that I know where you're leaning here. Rondell. Yeah, I think Rondell's an easy one here. Michael Gallup hasn't been involved yet. I want to see him be involved. I, I will say this. I saw Michael Gallup on a waiver, on a couple waiver wires, oh, um, and up. I scooped him up immediately. Yes. Um, so I think 
you know, you have to wait and see with Michael Gallup because he's been killing you if you've been playing him, and he's just been he's been getting slowly back in the offense. You got to remember, he's gonna slowly get back in the offense. Dak has to slowly get back in the offense. You got two Schultz. running backs. Schultz got to slowly get back in the offense. So uh, we're gonna have a Schultz question coming up actually. Um, all right, Mullen also has a trade question. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm totally not done. Got to behind the scenes, guys. Something just happened. Just something crazy just happened, and we had to we had to pause and edit and cut. So if that, but, but bro, my my mind is like in seven places at the moment right now. So if I say something stupid or if I'm if I stop myself, stop me. Um, Rondell Moore, but I'm not gonna say Rondell Moore over Gallup and Allen Robinson is not stupid, especially if Allen Robinson is not uh, with Matt Stafford. There's a good chance that Matt Ro- that Robinson gooses. There's a good chance he gooses um, if if Matt Stafford doesn't play. So I'm not playing him. No way. Um, all right, trade question. In a league with points per completion, whoa, interesting, and one point per 20 passing yards, who is a QB to target? Currently have Kyler Murray. One guy has Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady, so maybe able to get Lamar. What do I offer? This is obviously quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven League. League, yeah, yeah. It's even though it sounds like one could be well, point per completion. You obviously want a guy with high completion rating, but also in a high volume offense. That that is certainly that Tom. I, I, oh yeah, my brain goes to dynasty. It's certainly like a Tom Brady mold. Um, I would rather Kyler over Lamar. I think in this format, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think um... if there's a premium to passing production, yeah then I kind of like, at least in a very similar range. So if you're talking about what should I give up to get Lamar, I'm not opposed to like kind of packaging up for Lamar, even in a format like this. Um, but I would have them in even closer ranges than I would have them in a standard quarterback scoring league. So packaging up to get him, I wouldn't offer much. Um, maybe like a Michael Gallup-esque Kareem Hunt-ish area style you know, value of player. I think what I would do in this kind of league is I would buy low on a guy who has some potential, like a Dak Prescott who's going to throw the ball 40 times, or, or Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert might be a guy who, um, he's got a soft upcoming schedule. He's got Mike Williams on the mend. Uh, he has Austin Eckler to depend on. Gerald Everett's a good weapon. Uh, Josh Palmer has kind of arrived, and uh, DeAndre Carter was making, like, the, the offense sucks. Yeah, Joe Lombardi is the offensive coordinator, and he's definitely drawing up plays as if Drew Brees at 40 years old is still the quarterback. Um, but the, you got they, he's going to pass the ball. He's going to complete the ball uh, more than – I mean, one point per completion is giant. These scores yeah, must I be mean, like, like 60. Almost, almost packaging down would be a good idea. Like, if yeah. you could get a Justin Herbert plus for a Kyler Murray, I think that would be a better uh, positive value swing than – trading up for a similar valued quarterback especially in that scoring system but I, I will i will say this that's a very unique scoring system that we are kind of just like i like it though yeah i mean we're i mean to be truthful with the people it's though like, we're going. not we're we've I don't, i've never played in a league like that so yeah like uh, my my hard to put values on yeah yeah it's hard my, my perspective is limited um all right kai says schultz or everett Tight end match. Gerald Everett. Yeah, I think Gerald Everett is like I, I said he he was an honor. Did I mention that he's my honorable fade? Uh, I think he's an honorable mention for fade. I would still probably play him over Schultz. Mm, just, I'm I'm kind of already questioning myself there. Schultz has just been slowly creeping back into that rapport with Dak that let him into that right. tight end one point per game territory. 
<sighs> it's a tough one. But Gerald Everett's been performing above him, <laughs> so that's kind of where it gets a, like a little more difficult. Except yeah, last I'm, week. I think I'm going to flip-flop on myself and actually go with Dalton Schultz here in, in a better perceived matchup as, as the Chargers face the 49ers. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to... Uh, hmm. Better perceived matchup for sure. That's where I'm going to lean. Jeff Wilson, Rondell Moore, or Kareem Hunt, half PPR. Rondell. I have that exact same thing <laughs> to choose. I'm cho- I'm choosing Rondell over Kareem Hunt. But Kareem Hunt, man, I don't think he's a bad play this week. I think, uh, you know, he's been wildly consistent. The only problem is he's been consistently not that good. He's just been consistently eh. Um, I mean, I think Jeff Wilson's got some upside there too, man. But uh, Rondell yeah. still. Yeah. Uh, if Aaron Jones is out, Herbert, so mm-hmm. I'm guessing Khalil or Hunt, full PPR. Interesting. Probably a Kareem lean there. I think um, so too. Until the Bears are willing to acknowledge that their most talented player on offense outside of Justin Fields is Khalil Herbert, then it's really hard to trust in his below 30% opportunity and snap share, even though he takes that snap share for 99 yards nearly every game. That that sucks. It, it sucks that the Herbert train fell off the track so hard last game. Like the snaps were just. Completely in David Montgomery's favor, and it's not even like the the game before. Still outproduced him. Like, just, yeah, that's true. So the so carries though, wild. We'll see. Um, yeah, but I'm also uh, I'm gonna also lean Hunt there. Uh, around what RB would you consider Jalen Warren if it's true that he's going to get more work? That's an interesting 30. question. Yeah, I, th- I think it depends on the work you're talking about, right? I think that if he's the pass catching. I, 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 it's got to be Najee Harris's entire opportunity show right. when you ask me that type of work. Yeah, and and if he does get that type of work, it. I mean, I think he's a little better. Maybe than Najee like Harris, you right know, now. Benjamin in James Conner's role. I, I, that's a perfect analogy. Except, you know, yeah, I think that's a perfect analogy. Except, I think you know might be a little better than Jalen Warren too. And I, yeah, but I think James Conner's a little better than Najee Harris. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's get into uh, half PPR. Currently have Miles Sanders, Cordero Patterson, Pollard, Jamal Williams, and JT. Are you starting any of them over JT at this point? Um, Kai, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not only starting any of them over JT. If Zeke doesn't play, I'm starting all of them over JT. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, man, I I really don't think JT's ceiling is what it used to be. Um, Not just because of the woes of the offense, but that high ankle sprain is going to linger throughout the rest of the season. His explosivity is not at the same level. His the way that he earns points is going to be high volume um, and low efficiency and game scripts are going to be against that Colts team for the rest of the season as well. Um, in this particular matchup, you don't feel overly confident uh, based on our points over average ranking. You don't feel overly confident with Sam Ellinger. You feel terrible with a first-time head coach that you know might have CTE. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not. It's certainly all things point towards the decline of Jonathan Taylor as an RB one asset from this game forward. Um, Dalt. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. So I'm, yes, 100%. Um, I would start almost all of those, yes. Gary says, half PPR, Kareem Hunt, uh, Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier are playing right now. So Kareem Hunt or Deion Jackson, if no JT. It does look like JT is going to play. So let's go on to the second one. I would have taken Hunt anyway over Jackson um, and and was one of the smash plays that we had had suggested with the cells and and with the start sits. Um, our sleeper bus is is that Jackson just isn't it. Uh, yeah, he had a great game, um, but 
that's not going to happen. And it's certainly not going to happen without Matt Ryan feeding 14 checkdowns, uh, that, that, which Sam Ellinger did not do. Um, they don't even know if they attempted 14 passes, man. No. So, yeah, it, it would have been Kareem Hunt anyway. I hope you didn't start Tyler Algier. People shouldn't really be starting Tyler Algier now that Corderell Patterson's back. I know he had like a decent game alongside Corderell, uh, but that will not continue. He had one big run. That was really yeah, different. Exactly. It was one big pass catch, too, actually, I think. Uh, maybe it was a pass catch. Uh, yeah. Half PPR start, too. Well, I don't know why I read it like that. Half PPR start, too. Uh, Thielen, <laughs> Curtis Samuel, Josh Palmer. Um, Probably Josh Palmer and Curtis Samuel here. Although, man, Thielen's just quietly averaging 10 points per game and, and <laughs> just still Adam Thielen. Uh, touchdowns have obviously regressed a little bit, which finally uh, that insanity stopped, but... Yeah, I don't. I like Adam Thielen as a flex play, but Curtis Samuel's kind of got the upside in that commander's offense still. And Josh Palmer, Sands, Mike Williams, or Keenan Allen, he's he's a legit, legit fantasy option. Yeah, I think that I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I'm definitely going to go Josh Palmer, but I'm going to go Adam Thielen over Curtis Samuel. Um, I don't hate that. I just don't like the matchup for Curtis Samuel at Philly. Uh, you have to wait for a Monday. Uh, he's going to be a Monday miracle type guy. I, I, don't, I, I don't like him in that spot. So I'm just going to go with Thielen and Palmer. Um, here. All right. Uh, Ty says, uh, Daltich or Hurst rest of season? Um, I'm going to go Daltich because I, sh- I, told- I showed you his strength of schedule and it was absolutely r- ridiculous. Yeah, I also think so as well. Um, especially that we know, I think Marquise is one week away. Yeah, Marquise is one week away. You're not going to see, especially the way that I feel, this is going to be my opinion maybe solely um, based on consensus, but the way that I feel about Rondell, the way that Nuke has been performing with his target share, and the fact that Marquise Brown has literally never not led his team in targets in any year that he's ever played football in his entire life, and that includes college when he was playing with CD and Mark Andrews, uh, except for his rookie year in Baltimore, rather. Um, he will probably still maintain, he's got such a great rapport with Kyler, that who was his quarterback in Oklahoma? Um so Marquise is still a 23% target share guy. DeAndre is a 23% target share guy. Rondale is a 20% target share guy. That doesn't leave much for Zach Ertz, who have, you have seen his target share decline and obviously production follow. Uh, I like it. I, I like it. Matt, you're on point today, man. We're, we're, we're agreeing a lot. You're always on point. What could I say? You're on point with my mind today. We're on the, we're on the same wavelength. Um, we are so bad, though. That Travis Kelsey thing was kind of crazy. To be <laughs> uh, Jake from IT. Kareem Hunt, Jeff Wilson, half PPR. <laughs> I will say this: that I, this is a this I, is in the polls, and all, four patrons voted, and all of them picked Jeff Wilson, which is surprising. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's Jeff Wilson. I didn't see the polls in the patron chat today, but that, that, in the Discord rather. But yeah, I I think it's Jeff Wilson here, man. I, I really do. That first game back, and he kind of he had a higher snap percentage and and this, the exact same rushing output as um, well a higher production, but the same amount of carries as Raheem Mostert in his first game. His first game with Mike back with Mike McDaniel. I think that opportunity share is probably only going to increase. And they also like there's a reason that they let go of Chase Edmonds. Um, I don't think that that was necessarily uber confidence in um, Raheem Mostert, but more so an acknowledgement that if we're going to run this committee, we need a guy that knows how to. And that guy is Jeff Wilson. As of right now, um, the Broto app from the True Consensus rank, if you put him in the start sit, Jeff Wilson, 58% start uh, over Kareem Hunt. Personally, I I think Kareem Hunt is – they're playing each other. So I I think – uh, the matchup against Miami and the matchup against Cleveland, according to matchup rating, are pretty 
um, even. These two players pretty rated pretty evenly. So basically, you're getting the same guys. Basically, which matchup you and you enjoy better? I just think Kareem Hunt is a little bit of a better player and a, be, and a little bit of a better matchup. So I'm I'm gonna lean Kareem Hunt a little bit, but I'm not I'm not leaning too hard. The app, the patrons, and the mat are with you. Um, let's go to M Evans three two eight Brandon Cooks or Donovan Peoples Jones. Hmm. Uh, Cooks. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna Cook. If Cooks, playing, throw the ball. if Cooks is playing, you're playing him over a guy like Donovan, Donovan Peoples Jones. Yep. Even if he, sure. even if Although he, that goes, Miami secondary is dog water, but like still, yeah, you're, you're still doing it. All right, let's get in. That is true. They they're hurt back there. Um, Big Will, uh, the the literally the Adam Schefter of the. You don't even know how me. many times mm-hmm. Big Will is responsible for me getting news first. Like Big Will is literally our insider. Um, Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins this week? Ooh, Kirk, but I really do like me some Jimmy G. It's like Will's in my head. Um, yeah, it's it's still Kirk Cousins. Weapons that surround. I mean, that's kind of where I'm going. Obviously, Jimmy has some great weapons, and CMC can just walk him in three touchdowns with minimal effort. But I, I like the Vikings matchup a little bit more. Um, yes, Bill's secondary tough, really, really tough. Um, but... Charter secondary tough too, uh, and all, honestly, like I'm just gonna keep playing the averages on a points per game basis. There, Kirk Cousins has consistently outperformed Jimmy G in every matchup. I know it's a, a really difficult position against the Bills. And what I mean by like matchup there is, I, I think there's probably a little bit more points on the board than the Chargers 49ers game um, on either side of the ball. But you kind of just ha- you have to go with the guy that's still a QB one. I mean, it's, it's a QB one versus a QB sixteen. So I'm still leaning towards those averages. I, I do have Jimmy inside the top fifteen and and bordering on on QB one territory if he can hit that kind of three touchdown threshold because CMC is having a big game or Ayuk and, and Debo are having big games together. But it's still Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I agree. I I think if you have Kirk Cousins, you're not sitting him for Jimmy G at this point. Um, half PPR pick between Khalil, uh, Khalil Herbert, Alexander Madison, or Rashad White. Rashad, I'm, I'm throwing, uh, let that know that that is a, if, if he outscores all, or if he outscores both of them, he'll outscore both of them combined and 20 other running backs. But if he doesn't, it'll hurt. <laughs> That's I uh, couldn't have said it better myself. That's why I'm going with Mr. Khalil Herbert. I That's that. fair. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to, I want to pose it. I'm just, I'm still, I'm saying, man, it might, this might be the first week of, of a trend that people are of a train. People won't be able to stop, uh, man. I, I really hope. That's true. Like with all my heart, Matt. Um, Khalil Herbert. Um, I just think he has the best touchdown upside of these of these three. That's why I'm going to go there. Uh, Brandon says, Brendan, excuse me, Dak or Fields this week? Got to go with Justin Fields. He's my QB four this week. Yeah, you have to go with Justin Fields against that Detroit Lions matchup. I mean, they might end up having to bench him in the fourth quarter, but still, by that time, he'll have four touchdowns and 500 total yards. We teased this a little bit. Slater says Zeke or Pollard. Uh, I, I, I'm going to start this one off. All are straight up, whether they, whoever, like, go ahead, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I just do think that the, Zeke has the touchdown upside that Pollard doesn't have. I think that he's the goal line back. So there is, a, there is a, a part of me that says if you need a solid 10 to 15 points in your, in your, fl- in your like RB2 spot, like go with Zeke. And be, if you're, if you're favored to win and you have some blow up guys. But if you need, like, if you're, if you're like, a 15 point underdog and you need a and you need a big game i think that tony pollard is the play here or if you're neutral i think tony pollard just by a little bit like i said i have him ranked above zeke but i just i don't want to 
I don't want to sit here and tell you that for sure, 100%. I think Tony Pollard is 100% going to outplay Zeke if they're on the field together. But I do think that, you know, he's got more juice right now. So is that Zeke's got the end zone looks, and that means so much in fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong about Zeke's goal line is from two yards in, and, and Pollard's goal line's from 80 yards out. Um, Let's get to Mark Be Cool. Lockett or Godwin? No PPR. Ooh, standard. Lockett or Godwin? I think in no PPR, I'm going to go with Lockett there. Um, just because it's it's Godwin's been the PPR guy. Uh, and Lockett's been getting more yards, more touchdowns. Godwin doesn't even have a touchdown. So if this was full PPR or half PPR, then Godwin would probably be my play. Uh, even then, at full PPR would be the only... It would be close in half PPR. But in uh, standard, I'm going to have to go with uh, Tyler Lockett. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I kind of agree with you there. Uh, PPR would obviously lean a little bit more to volume on Edmund's side, but if you're going just for straight yardage total, Lockett certainly has the big play upside. He certainly has the over yardage total that Godwin hasn't really been putting up um, despite his target share. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad play at all. Uh, I think Lockett actually would probably be favored in most standard leagues in this position. So it, according to the app, and this is one of the great par- parts about the app, if the, the start sits will... In standard leagues, Tyler Lockett is a 60% favored slot, I mean, uh, start over Chris Godwin. But now look how that changes as you get closer to PPR. In half PPR, he's only 56.7% of the better start. So it's out of 100. Uh, Tyler Lockett, 56.7%. Chris Godwin, 43%. And then if you go to PPR, exactly 50-50 on the app. They both are average ranked in the same exact spot. Uh, the matchup is a little better for Tyler Lockett. And in standard, I think that's why I'm leaning uh, Tyler Lockett. I'm just He has a better shot at getting in the end zone overall, uh, in my opinion. All right, let's get into the next one. Dolchich or Fryermuth. One of them was a fade in this show, and one of them was a sl- uh, 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 streamer. So that should give Red you everything D. you need. Yeah. <laughs> need to PPR. Pollard, Zeke, Palmer, Swift, Montgomery. Oof, that's a hard Oof, one. Slater. Need to. Need to. Pollard, Zeke, Palmer, Swift, Montgomery. Oof. I think because you're playing these guys, you, you can take Swift out of the equation because you just don't know what he's doing. Like not Most most teams can't take Swift out of the equation. You can. I'm taking him out of the equation. And, man, if Zeke doesn't play, Pollard is the answer. Pollard. Yes, if Zeke doesn't play, Pollard's the answer over every other option. Pollard and Palmer if Zeke doesn't play. Montgomery and Palmer if he does. I think it's Pollard and Palmer maybe regardless. But I, man, it's so hard for me to bench DeAndre Swift in any scenario, even though he's yeah not been getting opportunities. Even, you know, he's back and, and apparently clearing injury reports and practicing in full and things like that, but just not getting opportunities. The, the Lions are kind of babying him. They don't want their star running back to not be available when they finally have a franchise quarterback under center next year. So I can understand kind of that mentality in, in keeping him fresh, so to speak. So, I, yeah, I don't have the problem pivoting to Palmer over Swift. I, I still think I prefer Tony Pollard over David Montgomery in a vacuum. All right, let's go to the next one. Mullen says, Murray is questionable. If he's out, who do I stream? Goff, Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, Rogers, Pickett, Brissett, Mariota. 
Mariota plays today, so we could leave him off. Trevor Lawrence. I, all right, Trevor Lawrence there. You know, yep. Jake Brisket. He was my uh, he was my guy. <laughs> um, Mac Hollins or Tyler Ajay. We can't say we can't say that. And then finally, Brandon C. We talked about it. Everett or Dolchich. I'm going with Dolchich over Everett yep. um, in this one. All right, man. Let's get to our no- another patron perk. We're going to end off the show with an update of the Unlimited League. These this is the league with no positions whatsoever. Two super flex and 32 teams in two different divisions: the ball division and the slightly balding division. Uh, so let's get into the update of the standings. Uh, Hertz Alerts remains at the top despite the fact that he lost as Farmer John takes over second from the Bearded Bastard, um, who drops down to third. Uh, the big mover was Trenton. He went up three spots into seventh place. NT and Biscuits went up to 11th place. Another mover was this scrub named Tim, uh, who is in dead last place in this league. Um, unfortunate for him for being such a scrub. Uh, right now, the way that the playoffs would shake out, Hertz Alerts. Farmer John, the bearded bastard, chilling with my homies. Can you digs it, sucker? And Tua B or not Tua B are the top six. So let's get into this week's matchup and see if there's any juicy matchups to choose from and to preview in this one. And one is really sticking out at this one. It is the number five seed versus the number two overall seed. Can you digs it, sucker? AKA Big Willie. Um, Against Johnny Bravo 26, aka Farmer John. Uh, so let's see what these lineups have in store. Uh, Rondell, Wondell Robinson. Uh, this, so let's start with the challenger, the fifth place team. Uh, on a two game winning streak, though, Big Will. We got Wondell Robinson, Stefan Diggs, George Kittle, Justin Jefferson, Zay Jones, Dallas Goddard, Clay Otten, and Jimmy Garoppolo. So no. Uh, double quarterback here, which is interesting. Both teams with no double quarterbacks. Um, and then uh, Farmer John, Will Disley, DK Metcalf, Devontae Smith, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Etienne, Nick Ooh. Chubb, Travis Etienne, Nick Chubb, Marcus Mariota, and Zach Ertz. Those are two top-heavy lineups, man. Uh, I'm going to lean on the, the Diggs-Jefferson side for this one. I, I really like both of those guys that both have them in my top five wide receivers that I think could have weak-winning matchups, especially in this format that we play in with the all-flex leagues. I will say my we didn't get a chance to do talk about this streamer, but my streamer was Marcus Mariota, who uh, started the game off uh, not so strong. But since then, two touchdowns, uh, 43 yards on the ground, is putting, himself, putting together a pretty nice game, uh, Marcus Mariota. So if you streamed him, uh, you're pretty happy with him in fantasy right now. And he's right now in the fourth quarter down by a touchdown – um, driving with two minutes and 20 seconds left. So more points to be had on the board, possibly. Yo, this this is gone over two hours, Matt. Michael's going to be so mad at us. Michael's going to be so mad at us. Uh-oh. Uh, Matt, do you want to get into this uh, slightly balling division? You got it? Or do you want me to go through it? You can go. Yeah, you can. I probably should have told you that in advance. Michael usually goes to slightly balding. Uh, let's go into the slightly balding division, which which you're in, um, which you're a full, you're full bald man. Right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts. Fully, fully bald, <laughs> like just like me. The twins don't want to admit that they are they're bald as hell. All right, so we have a the same guy at the top here too. Uh, Team J Rad, uh, seven and two on a five game winning streak, leading the league in points. No, uh, second in the league in points for uh, Hertz. Uh, I mean Eagle twenty eighty 
Uh, he was in first place. He's now on a two-game winning streak. Still, I mean, losing streak. Still leading the league in points, but dropped down to fifth place. Oh, but here comes the underdog story. Mr. Psych Ward FF jumping three spots this week uh, to the third spot, six and three overall. Despite not having a thousand points yet, the team is the little engine that could. Um, Defense wins championships. That's right. Uh, G- uh, Gianluca Carlo Martini. <laughs> Um, he is uh, in third place. He jumps two spots this week. And Kev from BK jumps back into the second spot. Also, Team Alexander the Great, someone who has historically dominated the Brodo Leagues that he's been. a very Much respect for Team Alexander the Great. He sneaks back in the playoff picture with a six uh, at, at six with a two two spots up. I can't even speak right now. Going two spots up. To be honest, guys, I woke up at 530 in the morning, I do it every morning. It is now 11.30 at night. It's daddy's bedtime, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, uh, oh, a couple of big-time losers. I mean, I mean, I didn't mean to say that like that. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of big-time fallers, fallers in the standings, yes. Uh, like I said, her, uh, Eagle 2080 taking a big fall. And Team Drip C, another one who's a OG, four-game losing streak. After starting the year five and zero, now five and four drops down to seventh place, officially out of the playoff uh, picture right there. So, oof, a uh, rough one there for Drip C and Team Thank Zeke. Uh, thank Zeke later because he is now out of the playoffs after dropping two spots. And then you got some guys at the bottom who uh, are fighting still. Uh, no ba- no Baldies, Rune, another OG. Uh, Austin City Limits, both of those guys in 9 and 10th. So let's get into these uh, matchups this week to see if there are any ones that stand out as a great matchup this week. And, uh, Matt, it looks like you're part of the matchup again. It looks like you're part of the matchup of the week again, my brother. Oh, it's a big one. You know what? Let's we're gonna do two games because it's a big one. You're play, you're facing the number one team. I'm just gonna give the people a preview of what we're looking at because I don't want to ask you who's gonna win because you are you. Um, so we'll get we'll get to the second best matchup after this. But the team that you're running out, you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll ahead. let them know. I'll let them know. I got. I'm I'm facing a little bit of a bye week trouble here, but uh, right now I got C.D. Lamb, Mac Collins, Greg Dulcich, George Pickens. AJ Brown, Terrace Marshall starting in my Thursday night spot. Uh, Kyler Murray and Justin Fields as my double quarterbacks. Nice, nice double quarterback right there. Nice double quarterback there. And your opponent, who interestingly left PJ Walker on the bench, which it turns out pretty good decision. He has 6.72 points. Although, did did Marcus Mariota just throw an interception? And I wasn't paying attention. I think he did. The, the, The Panthers have the ball. Ay, ay, ay. Marcus gonna Mariota. Um it's because Matt Stafford is his second quarterback, so he might have to pivot to Melvin Gordon or Khalil Herbert there. So keep that in mind while I read you his starters. Christian McCaffrey, Mike Evans, Josh Jacobs, Ken Walker, Brandon Cooks, Dallas Goddard, Tua, and Matt Stafford. That's a you could tell why that team is in first place. That's a good team. Uh but let's get into this one. It is uh Eagle. <clears throat> 2080 on a two-game losing streak, and Kev from BK on a two-game winning streak. Kev moves up to the number three spot, and uh, Eagle 2080 moves down to the number five spot. Eagle is running out Tyler Higby, Terry McLaurin, Travis Kelsey, Saquon Barkley, Zay Jones, Adam Thielen, Patrick Mahomes, and Sam Ellinger. Uh, Interesting choice there. Kev from BK. 
Already getting kind of a crappy game from Cordero Patterson. Not kind of. Cordero Patterson. Only five carries for 18 yards and one reception for two yards today. That is worth three points. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, Rondell Moore, Devontae Adams, Jerry Judy, Tony Pollard, Josh Allen, and Der- Derek Carr. It's a tough That's one. That's going to be a, it's a close barn matchup. burner. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I might have to lean towards... I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes, even though you're rolling out with Sam Ellinger. I think you might have to... But against I think Josh Allen. The, I know, I know, I know. But a hurt Josh Allen. That's a true. hurt Josh Allen. That's true. Uh, Saquon as well. You got Kelsey Mahomes stack. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to give the edge to the Mahomes side in this matchup. I'm going to go slight, with Kev. Slight edge. I'm going to go from Kev from BK. A little, little, uh, little Also knowing that Corderell's kind of being a disappointment give, gives it a little bit of an easier slide to that, that underdog. Amen. All right. So with that being said, that will do it for us. Quite the uh, exhilarating episode, if I must say so myself. Well, you guys will never know why, but it was. Uh, Matt, where can they find you? Find me at PsychWardFF. If you ask in the Discord, I'll tell you. It's a crazy story. What happened? It's a good thing I was here. Uh, what would have happened if I wasn't here? Fate brought me here. I'm, I usually do this at Michael's. Man. Um, you can find me at BrotoFF Tim, at BrotoFF Mike, at, at Michael. At, uh, is it Mike? It's Mike. Yep. At BrotoFF Broto Mike, Mike, at BrotoFF Broto Jason, Broto at BrotoFF Casanova, uh, at Broto Fantasy, at FF by Broto. This is all on Twitter, which who knows what the hell's going on with Twitter. All right, Matt. So, uh, look, Twitter's a bird. What's your favorite type of bird to eat? Duck. Yo, I love duck. 